masters of science have shown a great light on us all. I envy the path of your shadow that offers a wondrous call where promises lead us to ruin. A kiss can drive you to your grave. We leap off the edge of tomorrow and sink to the depths of today. Welcome to Too Stupid to Know I Can't. I'm your host, Roger Nottestad, and we are live at the drum shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tonight we get to talk to Mark Meeker and Mark Og, both local drummers, and Mark, being an instructor of Repressler Music, both provide some really interesting insight into their playing style, what they look for, and some of the things that they've experienced. We open this episode with us discussing what our favorite Kiss song is, or even our favorite album, and we delve into some other issues regarding size of drummers, specifically just bigger guys and how we have to deal with that. Uh, we talk about stick technology, and honestly, it just starts to go to hell in a handbasket with a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. It is a long episode, so we hope you enjoy it, and let's go. Cool, right? Yeah, they're in Oklahoma City. Oh, cool, cool. Suckers. I got one, one here in Tulsa and two in Oklahoma City. Okay, cool. And I don't have any kids. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, you're pretty fucking lucky, well, actually. I'm the other count. No. no, it's not that it was luck. I just just protected the whole as, time. Uh, as uh, as uh, as much time as uh, yes, your manhood, it was as your manhood has spent uh, in the drink, so to speak. But you're gonna want to hey, <laughs> planned non-parenthood. <laughs> yeah, hey, look. planned unparenthood. We, we have already digressed. Well, of course, it's only up from here. This, it can only go up from here. That's what she said. Uh, right. yeah. Think you're wrong. CE. Oh, you think it can get worse? <laughs> I'm going to go with it's a very distinct possibility that it's going to go south. Uh, is, it, is it my fault? Must be in the coffee. It's the coffee. Yeah. Yeah, it's We'll go with that. It's this amber brew coffee. And the fact that you're clean shaven. Well, I, I, I knew I was going to be on the podcast tonight, so I wanted to look my best. And he, he does have that soul patch. I mean, so, you know, was that dirt soul. on your chin? What have you been he's running? What is that, Velcro? Yeah. I fell down in the gravel. He's <laughs> a fucking killer. It does look like it, it does look like industrial Velcro, doesn't it? it? I mean, I like Velcro. I use it a lot. Sure, sure, sure. At our age, we need it, you know, for other things. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, Hog's not as old as us, though. How old are you? Can it be said? Old nope. enough to party. Oh. <laughs> and there you have it. All right, then. I could get a good shot of them. I'm 40-something. 40-something? 40-something. Oh, you're still younger than us, then. That yeah, but, you know, I could probably teach you a thing or two. I'm, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Hold my beer. Watch this. All right. Proctology and oncology. And there we go. <laughs> and that's the shit. Ay, ay, ay. Honestly, I'm a little bit speechless, but I'm going to welcome the both of you to this episode of Too Stupid to Know That I Can't. Uh, I'm Roger, your host, and oddly enough, we've got Mark Meeker and Hello. Mark Og. Hello. And Tulsa local, Tulsa drummers of many, many years of a variety of projects and bands. Mm. Yeah. And since. 
And since, mm-hmm, and still mm-hmm. doing more stuff. Oh, yeah. Mark, however, decided to leave the Tulsa region because his wife got an amazing job in... You mean Mark Og decided to leave. Sorry. Yes. Now we're going to have to... F- see, now oh, we've got to figure man. out how we do Mark see, 1 it's and a Mark hairless dog situation. Mark, 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 and with the amount, look, here's the thing. It it's sounds too good. many syllables. It is way too many syllables. And what's going to end up happening is, is as the night progresses, I'm going to stumble over it because I'm going to just go straight to Nostradamus and that's going to be incorrect. So we'll stick with Meeker and Mark. Meeker, say hello. I like, hello. I like Mikator better. Why don't you call him Mikator? Stop. Mikator? Stop. He's not a, he's yeah, not aren't a drug. You, aren't he's you, not a drug. Isn't that Ozzy album yours, The Augman Cometh? Isn't that I, you? You like, both are going to go I mean, play I, in traffic. I kind of I borrowed you're, from it. You're That's both right. going to go play in traffic. All right. Well, you, you asked for this. <laughs> you did. It's true. You, you, you are your own demise. <laughs> Man, there are some well, true words right it. there. There you have it. <laughs> there are some absolutely true words in that statement. And a shithead step in. Wisdom. So, <laughs> I digress, and I'll and I'll re. I'll go back to the beginning of where I was going. Mark Og, hmm. that's me. That's you. Elected to leave Tulsa and go to the fabulous city of Seattle that rains twenty-one out of twenty-two days. But it is gorgeous. It really is. It's beautiful out there. It is. I'm just not that much of a hippie. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, like I'm not that guy. It's, and grunge was not my thing. I'm not it's that guy. Not, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I lived and in Portland for a couple years and I would agree it's not that bad. It's not the Seattle of the nineties either. So oh, no, you know, no. I mean like, you know, hey, there was the grunge thing, but you know, there's there's other things. Has it gone yuppie now as a result? Is that what you're saying? Musically? No, just in general. Has I it bet gone there's y- a yuppie scene there. Ah, uh, there's probably a, it's a little there's a granola scene. Yeah. It's a little granola, but do you they know, shower? I shower every day. Uh, yes, because you come from a civilized town. <laughs> no, because I'm a decent human being. Well, and there's the truth. And there we have it. I mean, I you know, I'm not saying I Seattle hate to people. Sell myself, but okay, well, look, you know. I'm not saying Seattle people aren't decent people, but there's definitely something about being up in that area that showering is an option. Yeah, the, I, living in Portland, I can agree. I mean, in, and I was there in the 90s, and Maybe. I got some... I was a total idiot living there, and I will tell you why whenever you want to know. Why were you But let me finish no, the other no, thought. Uh, okay, okay, go. It was, it was weird, because we had... It was strange there, because the, I get it. There was some... It's like... The, the people, like, like here, the people like that are above a certain uh, maybe employment opportunity or in a particular financial range. You don't have to be politically correct, but yeah, we'll go with it. You know, the people are a little more better off, right? They, they, they do kind of, you know, they clean themselves up and all this shit, but a lot like here, you know, there's that little segment of people that don't really care about that stuff. But up, it seemed like at Portland at the time, it was, of course, it's a bigger area and that particular group of people is bigger there. So there was quite a bit of that. Yeah, you're dealing with a little bit of a per capita issue, but... Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and Seattle is much bigger than Portland, so... I have no idea what... I have never been to Seattle. My kid loves it there, so... I don't know about it, though. It's fun. It doesn't rain as much as you think it does, but... There you have it. 
I'm gonna. We're just gonna leave it there. Oh, no, wait, cause... no, no, no. <laughs> I'll go with my own personal sampling, and I will explain hmm. why I made that statement. When I was working with specialized bicycles, I was tasked at some terrible morning, the the, uh, the day before, the owner of our company says, "Hey, Roger, you need to be in Seattle by tomorrow afternoon." Ugh. That's rough. And I said, uh, "That's a." 22, 23 hour drive if I don't stop? He's like, yeah, just make it happen. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, right. So I make it to Seattle in 21 hours. <sighs> I took a 30 minute nap. Mm. Uh, I will tell you the coolest thing though, on the drive to Seattle, when I got into the actual Seattle uh, city limits, mm -hmm. I got pulled over by a police because I was speeding. Mm. And he noticed that my tag was from California and he said, son, we don't drive like that here. Son, <laughs> <What? laughs> it was. Well, I was really speeding because I needed to be there, according to the owner of my company. Right. And when Mike Sinyard speaks, you go do. Right. Well, now, wait. I, one little tangent question. Sure. You were in SoCal, and it take that long to get there? No way, right? Yeah, it's 21 hours. Yeah. From non SoCal? Nonstop. Yeah, no, shit. Really? Yeah, it's, it's like 20, it's 19 little, hours from Glendale. Yeah. It's it's a drive, and that's that's getting well, on the other side it, of folks. LA where there's no traffic. Yeah, ah. like you like you've really got to make it happen. All right then. So now I, know. I was tasked to be there for three weeks, so 21 days, and I was there actually about 23 days, hmm. just because the job was that way. Right. It rained 21 of those days. Okay, what time of year was this? You know what? I couldn't tell you. This is going to be important. Point. We got to know about this. It, it, I, it's important. It might be important. However, it's important. to me, it was not important. <laughs> it rained 21 goddamn days in a row. All I wanted was a day of sunshine somewhere in there. Sure, sure, yeah. I had nothing. And I was trying to maintain my composure. I'm like, eh, I work for Specialized. I'm, I've got a great job. It's fucking raining every day. Like, I woke up to Grace, guys. I went to sleep uh. to Grace. Like, there was a part of me that was dying every single day the rain right. continued. It had to be early wait, wait fall, a second. right? You went to sleep to grace, guys? What time do you go to bed? Well, I say that. I use the term sleep <laughs> loosely. Right. I was getting close to somewhere of the end of the day. Right. So it was early fall. Yeah. That's what happened. It was probably early fall. Yeah. It, can, no, it can get that way. No. I would say, if anything, it was more spring like because I had to go. Oh, well, that makes sense. Because I had to go back to Washington when I went to Winthrop, Washington to Sun Mountain during the summer and that was fucking awesome. Mm, yeah, okay. That that two weeks that I spent in Winthrop, Washington made up for everything else I didn't like about Washington. Well, that's cool. That's cool. So it, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Like that was super cool. When we first moved to Portland, they were mm -hmm. all warning us that, you know, uh, you know, watch, it's not like Oklahoma, it rains. You know, and this, this everything everything's green because it rains, you know, a lot more than Oklahoma. I said, mm -hmm. okay. So I like warning me like every time I talk to people. And then we, we got up there and of course the air was different, you know, and it was cooler, of course it was early fall. Did and, you uh, miss the humidity? Uh no. <laughs> God no. It was beautiful. So the first two weeks we were there, it was blue skies a few clouds and just it was Birds god's country and everything yeah. it was everything and then after that it was a damn near a month of gray and drizzle 
Yeah. And just you're you just get it was drained. Tough. Yeah, it was See, tough. See the the drain grizzle or <laughs> drain grizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Give the this gray. man another Kentucky gentleman. Please, sir. May I have <laughs> so the gray and drizzle, yeah, that's kinda of starting right about yeah. now. It's mm. kinda of, kinda of starting we're starting to get more rainy days, but man, the summer has been beautiful. Yeah, that's been oh that was, gorgeous out there. It's been awesome. Full reels. I had something else to say about that, but I've completely forgotten it. As we discussed earlier, I have a forgetfulness problem. Well, it's all right. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that you make mention of forgetting things. I think there comes a point where everybody's hard drive just gets a little bit full. Boy, you got that right. And it just gets a little <laughs> scattered, and it kind of forgets that it's supposed to store certain things, and it's just like, nah, you know what? I'm gonna not for a little while. Yeah, right, I think right. it stores them, but you're like you're like six months down the road, and you're just like, whoa, where the hell did that come from? Like, <laughs> That's true. It does kind of stuff. Kind of does it whack kind of you. Comes out of out of nowhere. Yeah. You're like, I don't even know how to feel about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, admittedly, I think, admittedly, that goes back to my statement, and I say this to to our friends and family that are medical professionals. I tell them all the time. Like, there's a reason it's called a practice of medicine. Right. And, right. I, think, yeah. and I think everything that we think we know about medicine, mm -hmm. we don't know diddly squat about the yeah. human body. No, we're, we're throwing darts, man. Yeah. We, we, we always have been. We still are. Yeah, but what kind of dart? You mean like the little wiffle ball with the Velcro? Because I think that's about as close as we're getting. <laughs> we're like poison darts. Can they be poison darts? What are we playing lawn darts? Wait a second. What are, we, what are we doing here? What are we doing what, here? Poison darts? I mean, well, but I, I mean, know, but in I don't know, can, I, can I get the anti-venom? You, you said darts uh, so and I went like, there. We're milking snakes now. <laughs> but that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Sorry, Ron. I'm sorry. Totally tubular. And, that's probably what I should have stayed away from. And thank you for tuning in to the Disney portion of our show. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with Mark Og. <laughs> Meeker had to go. Oh, my but no, God. But no, uh, but I mean, in all fairness, so, and this does segue greatly into part of our conversation this evening, which is going to be about biomechanics and physics, and mm. drumming is a physical instrument. Yes. I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody say, man, I was rocking out on my flute the other night? <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. There's one guy. I lost track right, of it. Right. There's, There's one, one guy. guy. I lost track of Jeff Rothall years ago. Right, right. But he's uh, one guy rocking out of the That one flute. guy, yeah. But nobody ever, ever says that. No. no well, you'll always hear drummers talk about, you know what, I was up in my room and I lost track of time. I ended up playing for three hours and I'm wrecked. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm yeah. blown out. And there's blood on my snare. And this, that, and the other. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we have a very visceral instrument. Yeah. It's... And I think it's probably one of the most expressive, even though a lot of people don't believe it to be expressive. No, absolutely it is. I would agree. Because you can hear anger, you can hear emotion, you can hear sadness, you can hear elation, you can hear excitement. Uh, our symbols help with that expression. Oh, totally. Yep. So, when we look at how physical our instrument is, there's only a handful of people that are really talking about the the true physicality, the biomechanics. How do we excel? How can we be better? How can we be better suited for playing drums? You know, we can talk about Neil Peart, Dave Weckl. We could talk about all these guys that went and visited Freddie Gruber mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and told them, you're all doing it wrong, even though you guys are pretty much the epitome of this generation's right. drummers. 
But this little old Yoda dude was like, yeah, you're still doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, there has to be something to that. And for him to literally reinvent and reshape these drummers into better drummers, I think that's only part of the equation. Mm, yeah. Like, for example, Meeker, you, as long as we've been friends and as long as I've known you as a drummer, you have struggled with your hands and finding the right sticks and just physically being able to be at the kit more than you need to. Mm, right, right. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you're struggling? Like, what are some of the what What's wrong with your hands that are that's causing such distress and so much frustration? Well, <laughs> oh my he God, starts laughing. You had a problem. Ong starts hands? laughing. Ong starts laughing. And no, I'm blown away. And by I, this. I knew it was going to happen. I, I, I come in here and I, I'm like, oh damn, Maker's here. Uh, yeah. Dude, like, ah, oh, get your shit together. I fucking right? knew it was going to happen, and it fucking happened, <laughs> and, and I fucking couldn't do anything yeah. about it. And then I walk right. in, the guy's over here on the freaking kid, and he's playing some traditional grip, and I'm going, oh, man, god damn. Oh, you're talking about something really? that really happened. Yeah, oh. dude, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm okay, I'm, I'm fanboying over here, man. Like, Maker's, ah, a, shit. Maker's, Maker's a freaking, he's a badass. Ah. So, for the record, for the listeners that don't... He's, he's, he's good, man. He's fun to I watch left my, play, I left my man. checkbook in the car. Man. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, you didn't. Thanks, I got your card number on file. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, no, that's so, nice of you to say. So, for our listeners, uh, Meeker's been a longtime player, probably more proficient than his years will ever speak. Well, uh, I don't know what to say about all that shit. So, go ahead. How I'm about just letting thank you, know. you? Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, multi-talented, very... Very fluent, very adept at a lot of different styles with very little effort. Thank you. And that, I think, comes from years and years and years of dedication How to the instrument. I'm only blah, 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 but I've been playing 40 years. This is my 40th year playing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a long time. Nice. So, with that, Mike. <laughs> at this time, you're also, you've been dealing with hand issues for many years as of late. Right. Well, if we can go early for a little bit in, sure. in the old career, sure. I was a marching marching band guy. I was dr mostly self-taught. I took a few lessons from a from a university professor who taught me. I would say incorrectly, and I say incorrectly because I was told it was incorrect by none other than Marty Hurley. If you know who that is, if we you don't, don't. so our listeners uh, he don't. He was he was a drum corps. Um, guru dude i forget the core he was with at the time that was in the 80s when he he it took him three days to basically turn me around and you would think like neil Peart went through with freddie mm -hmm. you know that took like a long time months months i mean he put off a record for six months because he wanted to get and disappeared right and disappeared yeah. it's classic neil uh, but yeah he disappeared so basically it took him three days correct me but the thing that marty did for me is it didn't take me months when he corrected me i was just i was fast tracked because it just helped me a lot so what happened was then it'd be i was just stiff i held the sticks too tight i was look i didn't drink enough water <laughs> you know as a kid you don't drink enough water you don't eat right so your body's not acting right right my family history i've already got a uh you know, arthritic tendencies and joints and other problems. Uh, so I kind of started in a rough, in a, on a, you know, it wasn't like perfect to start. Still handicapped. A bit handicapped. In, in, in I was a sense. In a sense, yeah. So then Marty gets a hold of me. And Marty also, Marty's other big thing was, 
he was Stanton Moore's high school drumline director. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, so he's got quite a, you know. And let's remind the audience who Stanton Moore is. Stanton Moore uh, was a drummer with Galactic, and he's all over the place. He's, he's basically, you know. He's the keeper of the flame of second line. Right. He's the second coming of the second line right now. So, And he's good buddies with Johnny V, who is. Johnny Vidakovich. Yeah, who was the other, the, 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 oh, the main yeah. torch holder for so long and is still so great at it. But then, so, go through high school, drumming on, you know, I played football and athletics, and so I was doing all this stuff that wasn't so great for my physical right. being anyway. So, going on and on and on and on, I quit for a while, and when I went, took up playing again, I played with sticks that were too large for and me. When you, and just for, so large, you mean too large of diameter? Yes, too large of diameter. Like uh, the Vader Rock is what they were. When I when because I was a marching guy, I was used to you know larger drum sticks. So, so you were playing. So you were playing drum set with a diameter of stick that was more equivalent to a marching stick, which is much much thicker yeah. in its diameter. And yeah, and right. it's like the taper is very short, so it's really front heavy, harder to control, okay. uh, or nuance wise anyway. And the other thing that you know about me very well is is I have extremely dry hands on my skin. Mm -hmm. Wait, skin on my hands. It's happening. Condition. You did it. <laughs> anyway, I have dry skin on my hands. Oh my so God. Have, you, have you tried mo to moisturize? <laughs> Actually, we'll get into that Moist because there was, there was quite the regime for several months where he was going through a lot of different things. It was a mess. So any hoozy. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I'll try, we'll to, shut up. I'll try to shut up fast. But So basically, I was struggling. So, so you know, when stick companies were putting a ton of lacquer on drumsticks, mm -hmm. you know, it warms up, gets a little tacky. I didn't have any trouble mm -hmm. really hanging on, you know. But then when, you, when I was older, a little older, and you get in a gig situation, there's a little more pressure. And then all of a sudden all this lacquer is gone. Yeah. And so for me, it became really a struggle to hang on. And so I'm, yeah. I was working so hard to hang on. I was gripping extra hard just to so hang white, on. White knuckling. Yeah, white knuckling right. basically just to hang yeah. on. And so I'm like... So then I found the, you know, the Promark stick wrap. Mm -hmm. That helps some. Um, but basically, after 94, 1994. So that I was, was a at, year. Yeah, I've been <laughs> in it. Yeah, right. It was, it was a hard year. It was one band, tons of gigs, 12 or 14 days. All that just rolled it over. It was, we were working our tail off. Good. So by the time I quit that, I was tired of taking, you know, 18 to 24 ibuprofens a day mm -hmm. to manage manage not only the pain but right. the stiffness and I developed I think I was on my way to carpal tunnelville you know yeah I think I really was with my hands it was really bad it happens yeah and it was just I mean I would just wake up and they would just be I felt like my wrists were just fused and yeah. I couldn't move so again you know not drinking near enough water or any of the good doing other good things mm -hmm. that could have helped but anyway so I re I had to teach myself physically how to not do that but as good as it's been mm -hmm. I still struggle with that and it's just I think it's partly my arthritic tendencies I think it's sad other than that I don't know but there's there's it's better now than it's been in a long time but I'm not playing you know yeah three and four nights a week like I used to either right. so well but I mean, there were there were points where you were literally just submerging your hands in everything you could yeah to just get some moisture back into them where they, where you could at least hang on to the sticks right right 
like what you were up to what like using noxema and gloves and whatever. Uh, gloves vaseline uh you know tiger balm i know it's funny right don't do tiger balm i'll tell you that it, it heats up everything but you know tiger balm is, is was really good really oh man it just you know it smells like hell you can breathe easy but you know it's like but it would really moisturize them really good and then i started to try to do more natural things but Another thing I keep forgetting about this whole process was when I was younger, I worked in uh, chemicals mm -hmm. and, you know, we weren't exactly OSHA savvy at the time. Right. So I was getting chemicals on my hands, you know, and just and wasn't thinking about it. You just go wash it off. Yeah. And you try to go back, you know, just go on. But uh, that went a long way towards defatting, you know, my skin on my hands yeah. and really making it a struggle. With with the with the dryness and and of course with the dryness then comes the cracking in yeah. the winter yeah. they crack they bleed so I'm I, it was a it's a mess but man I, it's it's weird because it's like who's your daddy <laughs> <laughs> you want to see my daddy's hands they look pretty bad too <laughs> no because I, I mean I've had a lot of similar issues you know I mean back back in the nineties you know the band that I was in you know we were kind of you know. 90 miles an hour things were taken off and and all of a sudden I'm like I'm having problems playing I'm having really? problems it, it came back down to that you know hanging on to the sticks and I'm giving them the death grip you know mm. the, the, the white knuckled gig you know had no idea I've never and, heard anybody else talk about it yeah I've had, I've had the same issue and then what happened because of what the way I was playing is I ended up developing a huge freaking cyst mm. on my wrist and on your wrist Dang. yes and it, i mean it made it almost unbearable to play i mean getting through a, a 30 45 minute set was just wow it, it was a nightmare wow dude and you know went to the doctor you know they a lot of anti-inflammatories taking mm. a couple months off wearing wearing braces mm. and limiting the movement you know things things got better you know, and then uh, things kind of wrapped up with that band. There was a little bit of a hiatus, you know, family life, kids and all that. Then when I started playing, you know, heavily again back about 2006, um, we got about maybe three, four months into playing a lot of shows. And all of a sudden, these problems start to manifest mm, again. Man. And tried the gloves. Um, no, I did too. I, I hated gloves. Right? <laughs> I hate and it's like, God, why am I gonna have this crap on my hand? It's, <laughs> it's not natural. Yeah, it don't feel right. And uh, you know, tried tried a lot of things. I started doing research. Mm -hmm. I hear you know, like Mick Fleetwood would like, you know, hack his sticks, you know, kind of you know, barb them, if you will, back, really? back cut them. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, he like like back cuts, basically barbs the freaking sticks, that and it's. So they won't, you know, take off. Fly out of his hands. Right. Huh. And, uh, I, you know, I tried that. I tried, like, the, the Zildjian dips. Um, mm. Tried the stick wraps. You know, I mean, oh, everything. And and then finally, I I tried wax. Stick wax. And that was the thing that it seemed to repel the sweat from my hands. And gave it a little bit of tackiness, like you talked about the varnish. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I gave it a little bit of tackiness, but not too much. But man, the downside is you, you gotta clean the sticks because you keep adding right. more wax, they start to get heavy, you know, it throws off the, how they throw and the, 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 
the, the balance. Center, yeah, yeah, the balance of the stick. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a weird deal, but I, I I don't know. It's I I never knew you had that problem. No, and I love you. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. You know, I tried the the wax. Somebody didn't. finally understands me. <laughs> I, I tried the wax. It didn't work for me. Really? Yeah, but I can totally about the balance thing. I yeah. can totally get that because. You, st you know, if you get something that's already kind of mid-balanced or whatever, yeah. a decent feeling stick without anything on it, and then you put that stick wrap on it, then all of a sudden you got this back-weighted thing. So oh. then I had to start choosing a different... Well, and, and that brings up a really... That kind of segues itself into the way sticks are being made. Right. You know, decades ago, you had a choice. You had a 2B, a 5A, a 5B, or a 7A. And you had a couple variations on the theme, but really... Pretty slim pickings. You had whatever they could physically make right, right there wasn't a lot of technology involved i think nowadays there are so many choices and so many variations on a theme i think it actually makes it more confusing for the average drummer to really I, choose a stick i'd see that yeah and i'm not a fan of all the marketing hyperbole because i think a lot of it's bullshit sure right and i've told companies that specifically i've told companies why would you make a stick that's more durable if you're in the business of selling drumsticks? Right, mm -hmm. right. And you've made a lot of friends by doing that. <laughs> well, you know. And, but it's... But that... But that in, in my own defense, that also falls in the fact that I don't believe a lot of marketing hyperbole in the first place. Right, right. Because I don't... Because I have to look out for our clients. Does this make a difference? Is this truly an advantage or is it just bullshit? Right, right. Well, I totally agree with you. I right. mean, why, why, why are there seven variations of a 5A stick? Right. Mm -hmm. Why do we need all these variations? And is it, is it because we're trying to solve or address a small percentage of drummers? Or really just making excuses for what we're what what's not being made properly in the first place mm. right and and these are all questions yeah it, it's it's much like my philosophy that i think everybody's drum thrones today i think all drum thrones today are bullshit i think they're all wrong yeah every one it's of been them is wrong. what a hundred some years at the same damn and i think yeah. every one of them is wrong and every drum company is wrong period end of discussion but that will be saved for a future podcast because i will have a solution that is going to be a solution. Fair enough. A legit solution and not some fucking bullshit right. that's designed to just be a marketing piece. Right. But, Another take on a round oh. on a bar stool. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it swivels. But it swivels and everything. <laughs> Jesus. It's got height adjustment. Christ on a crutch. <laughs> Hydraulic? Oh my god. Oh my but, god. <laughs> but with respect to drumsticks, okay. May I say one thing about that? Please. That you and I have so. you and I have talked about sort of, mm -hmm. but you know when when companies or I should say, I shouldn't say companies when 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 industries are basically they're 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 they get into this mode of flailing a bit because they're not continuing to reach out like they should they're feeding off their own uh, hype. Hype and, their own, and they're trying to market to the same customers all the time, like Absolutely. we've talked about. Oh, God. Oil yeah. business has been like that. I don't know, you know, I know a little bit about oil business. I know that that happens. But in the drum, you know, accessory drum market, whatever you want to call it, 
that's been happening for a long time. And I think when you continue to take and just keep rolling over the same old people all the time, you've got to start showing them something different or they just stop buying shit. Well, or they buy different, you know, from somebody else. And I think they get into this place of this flailing. We have to have something new, or right. you, I don't. You, it's you, weird. You do, you do get bored with things, you know. You you do get bored with the same old stuff, and sometimes you have to remind yourself that that works. That's, I mean, there's yeah, nothing wrong that. with with trying new things, right? You know, depending on what two things are, but but there's <laughs> got to be value in it. There has to be value. Right, there's got to right, be right. some significant. There right, has to right. be. If I do this, what's it really going to improve? Now, right. and, and, and I, and I want to backpedal just a little bit because I do have kind of a distinct philosophy about drumsticks because I think drumsticks, when chosen properly, will affect the way you sound and play your drum kit. Sure. 100%. Now, I agree. for the average listener that really doesn't know anything about drumsticks... Drumsticks come in a variety of sizes, and by sizes, I mean everything from the diameter of the dowel, the taper, meaning from the end to the tip, that taper is varied in a lot of different ways, yeah. the actual type of taper, the type of tip, the neck, the, yep. sorry, the, I said it, the right. neck, and some would the say the shaft, the shaft, sure, so there's a lot of these different variations tip. on a theme that all dictate how that stick throws as we like to use that terminology right mm -hmm. so to the average listener that doesn't understand what that means if you imagine a tennis ball back and forth much like jojo mayer describes if you can get that tennis ball moving in a fluid motion you're probably going to throw your stick pretty well yeah. it's really going to move the way it should but i also think that you have to have chosen the right stick for the way you play right, right. uh for example kind of a simple analogy you wouldn't run a marathon in six-inch platform stripper heels. Unless you're Paul Stanley. <laughs> or RuPaul. <laughs> or RuPaul. I digress. Oh, damn. <laughs> but the point I'm being, I'm out. In, in going in the direction of companies are now just continuing to make products to pitch to the same small sliver of pie. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily addressing the, the problem. No, not at all. Right. And is there a problem? They make drumsticks. Right. What is, so what, you know... Well, My, I mean, I, I, I think I think I don't know if it's human nature or the nature of manufacturers, but people tend to focus on the symptom, not the problem. Oh yeah, yeah. They they Good tend call. to treat the symptoms. They don't look at what is what is the real problem. What is causing the symptoms? How do we how do we rectify that? You know how do we how do we make a drumstick that that throws for this type of player or that type of player? How do we mm. How do we resolve the issues, um, whatever they may be? Well, I, so in, in the cycling industry, there's, a, there's, not, there's a more uniformed kind of vision about specific symptoms, but also specific problems. Mm -hmm. But the industry in mass looks at that from a very scientific manner. I mean, there is a lot of technology that goes into... As weird as it sounds, there's a lot of technology that goes into the grips that are being mm -hmm. made for bicycles. Why? Because it's a contact point for the right. human body. Yeah. Makes sense. So how do we address the ergonomics or the way a human attaches itself to the handlebars of a bicycle or even the bar tape? Right. There's, yeah. for road bikes in particular, there's such a variety of tape and a lot of different 
thicknesses mm. as far as is it a couple millimeters is it one millimeter is it four millimeters is it gel inserted is it cork wow. there's a lot of these different feelings there's also textures now that provide a more tactile kind of sticky feeling mm. but you're also talking about a control item right but if you go the other direction and really think about a drumstick a drumstick is a a contact point but it's also a control point true but the drum industry doesn't truly have the tools necessary to address a drummer's real real problem hmm. and a lot of that goes back to the basic biomechanics of human beings mm -hmm. addressing a drum kit and there's a lot of varied ideas and themes and a lot of different varieties of let's just say speculation on how a human should address a drum kit right and again all of that is not anywhere near uniform. You have drummers that sit too low, drummers that sit way too high, you have drummers that don't sit well at all, you have drummers right. that slouch, you have drummers that are 400 pounds, you have drummers that are 90 pounds. You have all these variations on a theme, but yet there's nobody that stepped up to the plate and said, hang on, let's actually do some science. Mm. Let's really take a look at what's happening in the context of a drummer's approach to the kit. Let's look at the true biomechanics. How does a drummer approach a drum kit? How does he sit? How does she address the kit? How does she swing? How does right. she reach her cymbals? Right. How are her drums set up? How is his cymbal set up? Like there's a lot of these individual variations on a theme and because there's so much horrible, terrible misinformation on the internet. Right. right. That is just fucking, is it storming outside? Yeah, it's storming outside. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Lightning has been detected within five miles of your area. God Take damn it all. <laughs> what, what, why are you upset about this? I have a race this weekend uh, and I don't like racing in the mud. All right, I'm sorry. Ugh. It'll be fine. We'll I'll get on the phone we'll with work the, it out with physics. I'll get hey, the, uh, have you ridden our <laughs> fucking slippery, greasy rocks in the rain? It is not fun, but I digress. You know, it, I would, uh, to that point also, I would probably venture to guess that cycling the cycling industry or that that you know how that's taught you're probably getting a bit more consistency of ride between 10 guys am i wrong or is it like i mean every drummer is i mean everything about the way every drummer plays and every they approach every little thing is different so I it makes it so difficult i think there are a lot of variables with drummers um yeah it's crazy i mean i i I don't know if it's so much with cyclists, but... Does the cycling world happen that way? You know that really well. Well, okay, so l let's use a comparison. Humans were never designed to sit on anything parallel to the ground. Right, right. Our physics, our mm -hmm. true anatomy was never designed to sit on a flat platform. That's problem number one. Mm -hmm. So as a drummer, we're now faced with we have to sit on something for a couple, three, four hours that we were never designed to sit on. So that's problem one. The second problem is you have, a lot of, you have a lot of instructors and a lot of different people that don't understand biomechanics but can play drums and can mm -hmm. educate. Right. And don't take the time to pay attention to the way their students address the kit. Right. They set up the kit for one way to meet a variety of students and whatever happens, happens. Well, here's the problem. You're already putting your respective students at a disadvantage. Right. 
whether the hip bones are below the knee, above the knee, in line with the knee, all of those things affect the way a drummer approaches the kit. Yep. It also affects the way the spine <clears throat> lines up vertically to be able to properly breathe, to be able to look. There, there are all these things that we've addressed in the cycling industry because we have to be efficient on the bike. Mm -hmm. There's a handful of general rules right. that are widely accepted. Um, you need to have a slight bend in the knee, and there's a there's unfortunately now they're down to degrees yep, and millimeters yeah. of this is where you need to be. There are some schools of thought depending upon the style of riding that your bike needs to be set up this way for better efficiency. But within that, then there's the minor tweaking. There's the minor adjustments. How do we get this to feel just a little bit better? There is a generalized concept. Um, in answer to your question in kind of a roundabout way, decades ago there was a company called the New England Cycling Academy that had created the original Fit Kit program. Okay. And these were a set of machined tools that helped fit the bicycle to the human. Hmm. It took very specific measurements, it took into, a lot of, uh, into account a lot of different calculations and variations, and it would dictate the length of the crank from center to center, from center of the bottom bracket to the center of the pedal spindle. It dictated seat tube height, seat tube angle, hmm. top tube length, stem length, seat height, seat position fore or aft of the wow. seat post. A lot of different truly tangible and very mechanical measurements. Never been happened, never happened with a drum kit before. Not <laughs> once, but I'll tell you, here's the funny thing. If we took the time to do that, I'll bet you we could solve half the problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now we can take some legitimate statistical data and go, hey, the average drummer ranging from 5'10 to 6'1 suffers from these problems because of this. Right. We right. could probably narrow that down. But we don't put that money into that. No. We put it into adding sand to the lacquer and the sticks to make them grippier. We add double lacquer, we remove the lacquer, we add rubber, we add a water-based coating to make the stick that much more sticky. Mm -hmm. Instead of, why don't we look at the human first? And, right. and I'm gonna go back to this. There was a, one of my favorite cyclists on the US Olympic cycling team was a man by the name of Steve Hegg. And during the 84 Olympics, he was a powerhouse. And the bike that he rode was so delicate that when I managed to put my hands on it because it was delivered to my shop because I was a huge fan of his, the frame literally had stress cracks through the whole thing because of the sheer force that he put into the bike. Golly. Now, what makes this so more impressive is there were no metal bearings. Everything was plastic bushings. Wow. So any pivot point to eliminate any chance of friction but the most important thing about Steve Hegg was he said get the most out of the human first hmm. right. then address the bicycle smart makes sense so if the industry if our industry took a few moments and stepped back from itself and said let's actually take a scientific approach to the way drummers are playing mm -hmm. I think we would see and learn a lot more valuable information um, is that possible though? With, Absolutely. Because you've got, I mean, I say that because I don't know everything about cycling. Yeah, I know sure. more about that. But I know there's a bike. Yep. And I know there's all this other gear. But I mean, we're talking about the bike, right? Mm -hmm. 
then you know we're talking about hand grips you mentioned yep i know there's different you've showed me different pedals seats and all that other type seats frames yeah. all this kind of stuff doesn't more of one company kind of put that stuff together no they all do actually oh they all do okay because i know you know with yeah. our thing you got sticks you got heads yep. you got uh, yeah. hardware you got springs yep. you got this that yeah well, different heads well, and then you get the adjustments of everything yeah you, know? you got it's like thicker where, symbols thinner you play symbols high hat high do you play it low do you, yep. where you, you know where you put this symbol where you put your rod right, exactly how you hit things yep yeah every it's, it's, every so... bit little minute angle yeah, of something yeah, is crazy absolutely <clears throat> but in answer to your question yes our industry could okay and i'll give you a great example if you talk to a lot of drummers they will say, well, I need to increase my spring tension to get more action out of the pedal. Heard that before. I've and, been a victim. <laughs> and after you were shown how it actually works, what did you do? Um, you loosen the springs. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, you loosen them up because it's okay. easier to push forward. Mm -hmm. So here's, so for our listeners that don't understand what we're talking about, a drum pedal works on a what's considered maybe a pull spring yeah when right. you activate it it opens up more yep. well if you looked at it on a graph or a xy or an x uh xy axis a pull spring goes negative at a certain point once it's too high tension absolutely so now you're working against yourself so when you press on that pedal Yes, you're going to get a little bit faster response going the other direction, but you're putting so much energy into the pedal that you're actually working against yourself. Right, right. Yeah. But if you go the opposite direction and loosen the tension of the spring, you let that spring get to its natural static point, you're actually able to get a more progressive and linear curve out of that spring so the spring actuates equal to the force you put into it. They figured it out in suspension for cars. Yeah. Yeah. But yet we, as drummers, want to just do this thing because, well, it just makes sense. If, it, if I make it tighter, it's faster when it's the exact opposite. Yeah. But the industry doesn't address that. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on. <laughs> so we'll create new cams and we'll do these oh, new man. things yeah. and we'll add a spring under the bottom to push the pedal backwards. Or take the five minutes make a fucking youtube video educate people how your pedal works but then you can't sell them right. six new pedals over the course of four years right. but <laughs> if you make a but if you make a pedal that works and people understand how to adjust it mm. Mm -hmm. absolutely i was joking absolutely but absolutely you're right. right so decades ago and, and i'll go and i'm gonna and i'm gonna go back to your point sure decades ago a gentleman by the name of mr campagnolo mm was on a particular snowy pass in a race and his hands were frozen and he flatted on this mountain pass and he couldn't use the tools to get his wheel off to change the flat. Dang. In effect, he almost, he pretty much lost that stage. Right, right. When he got back, he invented, at the time, what was the world's first quick-release axle for bicycles. And that's what started the Campagnolo hmm. Bicycle Component Company. 
As quick releases really started to make their way into mainstream bicycles, bicycle shops had a due diligence to teach people how to use them. Right. Hey, this is why this is important. This is how it works. Because of the litigious nature of our society, if something goes awry, it's not our fault. It's your fault. I'm going to sue your ass. <laughs> so it wasn't uncommon for bike shops, mechanics, store managers, store owners, and bike companies to get sued by people that didn't properly use their quick-release skewer. Jeez. And it was rampant. Wow. Let's, let's move that forward into the average retail shop sells a drummer a set of pedals and says what? There you go, man. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no education at the retail level of how do you adjust, how to deal with, how to care for that pedal. Mm -hmm. So much like drumsticks, you don't have a lot of people taking the time to educate people about why drumsticks function the way right. they do. So you're setting drummers up for failure because you're not taking the minute to, to show them Let's talk about your drumming. Let's talk about what you're doing as a drummer. How can we work with that to make you better? Right. What are the questions that aren't being asked? Is it because we don't have the time as a retail shop? If that's your perception, then you should stop doing retail and you should go the fuck home. <laughs> because as a retailer, your job is to educate and make your customers play better and be better at their craft. Right. So in comparison, the cycling industry does a very good job at educating the client and teaching them about this stuff. There comes a point of diminishing returns where the magazines just kind of throw more shit out there. Yeah, jeez. But at the retail level, how many shops are actually teaching people how to use the gear they're buying? Right. Yeah. In our industry, very few. So why isn't that something that's being instructed instead of all these companies just going, oh, we made this... POP display that tells your customers what the hell the deal is. Hmm. You know what? I can tell you in our shop, customers don't read shit. Right. They hmm. ask us. Right. Yeah. Hey, I'm playing this 5A stick. I don't like this about it. Do you have a suggestion? Yeah. Now there we've go. got a dialogue, and now let's really start to dig deeper. What is it about that stick that you don't like? Right. What do you like about it? Oh, well, now we've got this and this. Okay, now we're now we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. But is that happening in every store? Nah. But nah. on the internet, you can get any 50 fucking people telling you about sticks that don't know shit about them. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. they're the experts. Right. Right. Instead mm -hmm. of people going to their local shop and asking the questions. So why is it that happening? Why, is, why are drummers not asking the questions? It's, it's kind of like getting a tailored suit, man. Go to the shop and get a tailored stick, man. What stick fits you? Mark Og, everyone. All right. Ladies Thank and gentlemen. You. <laughs> behind you can just drop <laughs> the mic and head out. <laughs> no, but it's, it's the same concept. I mean, yeah. the thing is, you know, you're right. How many sticks are there? How many, how many sticks have you played over the years? I mean, Jesus. Lost the, count. 2B, 5B, 5A, I'll 7A. Tell you, I'll tell yeah. you right now. We have a 2,400 square foot store. If I took the time to buy six pairs of every model from every vendor, I don't have enough space. You couldn't walk in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. 
There's saying, no way. I think the important question is, what stick are you using today? What do you like about? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Try this. Try that. You know, let's 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 hem this and stitch that, and let's get you in a stick that feels good today. And let's go try, from there. Try right. it. Try it for a few weeks. You know what? Okay, come back. What, yep. what did you like yeah. about that? What did you not like about but it? Someone's got to convince, you know, Joe right. Buyer that that's what you got to do too. I, and that's a hard thing, right? Because I, I, now we're so far gone. Yeah. With, you know the internet and everything, and and you know, this There's, ex drummer is playing this type of stick, and by God, it's the best dang thing. Oh well, I, I, you know, I, I'm victim of, of that market. Sure, you know, we've all, yeah, I, we've all I, I got to have the Tommy Lee stick because it's Tommy Lee. You tend to, I mean, why, why are our heroes names on, on equipment, right? Right, right. It's so exactly right. It, you know? That's exactly. But it's not right for us. No, know? no, it no. Doesn't, it doesn't mean it's the thing that we should be using. That's but, exactly but we right. Do. And I, yeah, I think you, it's a, with sticks, it's a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. And I still have not found the stick that I think is perfect. I'm almost there. But I'm just like, ah, just, you know, a little, like a half inch longer. But give me a little <laughs> bit more of this, a little bit give less. Me a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit more on the front end, a little bit less on the back end or, or, or whatever. You know, it's like we all need to have access, access to a 3D printer for drumsticks so we can you do. jack around it. Where? You have access to 3D printers all over the world right now that will deliver any product you sketch up. Well, right fine now. there. I'm putting in my order tomorrow. Well, <laughs> but I mean, they don't, it's not, it's, it, but they're not in, they're not by the stick counter. No, you know? right. But, but that brings up a very, excuse me, interesting point. So let's talk about some of the variations of why a stick is a stick. Okay, Let, let's, maybe to help clarify for some people. Sure. So everything from the diameter to the length, just those two factors, have a dramatic effect on the way that stick feels in our hand, the way it throws, and the way it sounds on the drums and cymbals. Sure. Why? If you go thicker, you have a less flexible stick, you've got a heavier stick, and depending upon how they cut it, yeah. dictates the way it throws. Right. Is it, if it's a short taper, it's gonna be a much more forward heavy stick. If it's a longer taper, it's a back heavy stick. Yeah. So with those two variations, let's just say we take a diameter of stick that's 0.6 inches. So it's just, a, it's just over half an inch in diameter. Let's say it's 16 inches in length, and let's say it's a short taper. Hmm. Would you consider that more of just a big rock kind of arena stick where it's just like, yeah, I'm swinging this thing for the outer halls? You first. Mr. Og. <laughs> Reverend. Oh, Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of street uh, cred, man. <laughs> I didn't even know I had that. <laughs> you know, I think, I think the other variable... You, well, wait, you, let's, let's just deal with this question. Don't go too far. You've got a Man. you've got a point six diameter stick. It's sixteen inches long with a much shorter taper. Would you consider that more of just a general rock stick, like arena, just big swinging, walking tall kind of thing? I think so, but you 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 also got to consider. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. We're trying to create a simple definition. I would say. If it were me, because I've played that stick before, uh -huh. I don't know what he's talking about. But Meeker. It, it, to me, it, I would say yeah. Okay. Because of the way it's cut, 
what you just described. We're, we're using you, you, general you, you, terms to just yeah. create a baseline. You, you're talking about the physical dimensions of the stick. Yeah. Yep. That's it. And we're just trying to get an idea. Yeah. So if we went the opposite direction and said, okay, how about a stick that's 0.5 in diameter at 16 with a longer taper? Hmm. Would you consider that more of an articulate stick, one that's a little bit more delicate to the touch? Definitely. I mean, yeah. A little more jazzy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're going to have some more bounce out of it. You're going to be able to control it a little better if you want to be, you know, I'm losing the term. but no, but center of gravity pivot point. Yeah, the balance yeah, is going to be a little further to the back. So. But now we're creating a general idea right. of what we're talking about. So within that context, you have two dramatically different sticks. Even though the dimensions are very subtle, we're talking a, t a tenth of an inch mm -hmm. in difference in diameter, but by shifting that taper, yep. yeah. we're changing the overall throw sure. of that stick. So a good idea might be going from throwing a softball to throwing a tennis ball. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's Would mm -hmm. that be fair? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good, yeah. good analogy. Softball's a little bit more cumbersome to throw. It's not the everyday thing that we're used to throwing, like throwing a grapefruit. Right. But a tennis ball, that's pretty manageable. Kind of like throwing an apple or an orange. I can actually get my ideas around that. So if we took those two points, if you handed both of those sticks to one drummer on the same gig, he or she is going to play differently just merely because of the sticks. Yeah. And it's just the right. nature of that weight, that yeah. extra or that lighter feel. It's just going to happen. Yeah. So now we can base that on some very simple mm -hmm. statistical data. We know that this stick is going to just perform this way for the average player. We go to the opposite direction. Now this is going to feel this way. Now we can start adjusting those dimensions. Right. We can start tweaking that and we mm -hmm. can start really kind of addressing those issues. Right. But all of those only deal with part of the equation because that drummer that's going to swing that 0.6 diameter stick is going to sit at the kit differently because mm -hmm. there's more heft. Yeah, right. And that's everything. And everything. that really is becoming the crux of the situation, in my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah I think you're right. Well, and you, you, you got to think about, well, I mean, just, just a question for you guys. How do you hold the sticks? Do you yep. hold them, do you, do you choke up? Do you, do you hold them right at the butt? Where, you know, how do you hold the stick? That, Meeker? That, oh, you're asking me. No, now he's, well, now he's you, throwing the question out in, you in could, the You air. put it to us. Mr. Meeker? I put it to Point you. Point of contention. Um, wow. That's, I, every, every, no matter what stick I've played over the years, I always. Where, where does that stick fall to, in your hand? The butt tends to just sit right there at the back of my hand. Right. Right Towards the, the outside of your yeah, yeah, right. I can if I just stopped yeah. it, I could see the butt just a hair. Okay. Now what when I you, Mark? okay, I, I'm the, I'm the same. I, yeah. I, I like I kind of like it right there, right right at the the butt of the palm. That's that that feels natural to me. Yeah. How about you? And and I think that determines a lot of the the choices of sticks that I play is you know how they throw is, is based a lot on how I hold the stick. Okay. What about you? So. 
I'm going to answer that question in just a minute. Oh, oh now. Now. No, 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 no. He thinks he's the host or something. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a bloody host, Listen, isn't God, he? No. But, you stop. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. But, but I've seen drummers that really choke up on them. You see you yep. see an inch or two of stick yep. sticking out of, of, of their grip. Oh, yeah, yeah. Elon Rubin, Mike Yeah, Angie. he does. He does. Yeah, you're right. Now. Oh, wait, on the other hand, there's a guy here in town named Billy, and I love him dearly. The dude plays with one A's. Which are long, 16 and a half uh, to three quarters, depending on what stick company it is. Yeah. And I swear his 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 pinky is not on the stick. It's I mean it's Way on all coming out there. Wow. So we should be so okay. So that's a crazy that's the opposite of what you just said. But now and this is where the cycling nerd kicks in. Hmm. And this is why I'm glad you kind of you brought this, you led us down this path because now I'm going to start to address right. a little bit of biomechanics. Hmm. Ah, he'll fall. All right. <laughs> so I believe, and I haven't tested my theory, but I believe the reason you guys feel that that's more comfortable is because you haven't found the right length of stick with the right taper. Mm -hmm. And Maybe. hang on. All right. And because you're letting that stick go all the way to the end of your palm on the outside, you're trying to accommodate a stick that's too short. Possibly. I have and, an argument for that, but whenever right. you're ready. But I'm just but I'm just saying, I believe I Yeah, I got you. And a, and a lot of that is I think sticks have a balance point of about hang on. Roger has just stepped away from the desk and is now coming back with a drumstick. So, and I'm, I'm going to have to grab a tape measure because I, I think... Those are skinny. Hey! I'm grabbing my custom stick just because I'm using it as a point of reference. Mm -hmm. But I think that that measurement that you can't see that I'm about to measure is about four or five inches. Yeah, four and a half. Maybe almost six inches. Oh, really? Is it that yeah. far? Wow. Where that's not what six inches looks like to me in my bedroom, Governor. And that's because you are terrible at math. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> or, or, or God help us, either way. All right. <laughs> but I believe that that six inch point, that five to six inch point, is where that stick was designed to be balanced. And because you guys are going to the end of it, you're mm -hmm. making up for a balance point that's not there. Okay. And I'm going to reference mm -hmm. it with pool cues billiards cues all right so the average person will grab a pool cue and they'll grab it at the butt end of the stick sure you know why no because they like the butt i mean who doesn't right i've always been a butt man but it's because they think they're getting more leverage oh okay sure they actually are supposed to be grabbing the pool cue at the bottom of the points of the cue to create a pendular effect because Singular. in billiards and That's pool, you hinge at the elbow. Right. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that if your hand's out here. So how, uh, help us out, because I haven't played pool in a long time. Yep. Where is that position on an average cue? From the back, how, what are you talking about? It just about? Depends, on the, it depends on the weight and the manufacturer. Okay. But they put, if you look at the basic pool cue, yeah. there's top points and then there's the valleys. And at those valleys is where your hand's supposed to go for the optimum pendulum. Okay. So okay. when you think of a drumstick, you're trying to create that same pendular motion. Gotcha. And by going further out, you're trying to create a larger pendulum, but now you're preventing that you've changed the balance point and the position of that stick to move freely. 
gotcha. and with mm. ease. And I think we do that because there's not a way to make the perfect stick for ourselves yet. Right, right. So you both are in a similar position. Now, I make jokes about the Regal Tip Alex Van Halen stick. Woo! It's Telephone pole. Exactly. To us. <laughs> to us it is. And right. he's a short He's a dude. little guy. Yeah. But he played, how long is that thing? 17? At least. Yeah. Almost 18 but inches? It's a, and at 55, it's skinny, right? It's 55. Yeah. Okay, Super thin and long. Now, what about Questlove? Wow. That's another type now, thing. Okay. Oh. Another that's type another thing. long stick. <laughs> but it's long and it's, but that's also, but and, I, and I'm not, I've got to qualify this right now. Yeah. I'm not saying it to be mean. Questlove is a big dude that doesn't move a lot. Dude, me, exactly. I'm the same way. I mean, if I totally you get move, it. But you move a lot. Well, don't, you know, don't even. Well, it's no. the burritos. No. Right? <laughs> like, Questlove barely moves his elbows from yeah, his body. He, that's he, true. He, he stays right here the whole time. So he needs a like long this. stick that reaches into the other room. It's like the Zorro stick. <laughs> the Zorro stick, you can play that thing from the other fucking room, too. That's only 16 and 3 eighths. That's not that long, really. But Zoro's like two foot nothing. Well, maybe that's the reason. And wears a scarf and a mesh shirt. Well, maybe we're missing something here then. Maybe they're having to sit back so far. I mean, sit back, but to a point that's comfortable for their legs, mm -hmm. they feel like they need that extra reach. And now we get into the other point of people addressing the kit badly. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're trying to compensate for that with the length of the sticks. Right. Instead yeah. of going back to the basics. You said it best years ago. You said you wanted to start the premise of your book that if you can't do it on three, on three instruments, you can't do it on any of them. Uh, kick, that, yeah, that's damn right. Kick, snare, and hi-hat. Yeah, that's yeah. damn right. But yet, we don't, we don't instruct drummers to set their kit up based on those three instruments. Right, right. I it's put it square to the front of the room, put your toms on it, put your snare down, and go play. Right, right. Yeah. Again, we go back to that lack of understanding, that lack of education of how do we really address these things to make it better and more beneficial and more efficient for the drummer. Right, right. I don't teach lessons. I don't know how to read music. I don't know what the hell I do on a drum kit. I have no idea. But God, you're good looking. Thank you. He's okay. But... <laughs> But when I watch a drummer play, I can tell you where he's hurt, he or she is hurting oh, themselves yeah. Yeah. while they play. You can also tell what surgery they've had. If they've had a surgery, you can tell where that is. I can. By the scars or? No, by where those, what those arms don't do. Yes. Uh, but you know that they don't do. Yes. That's, and you so, can just tell that. Yeah. Right. But within the context of that. Sure. I think more drummers should take a moment and videotape themselves. Absolutely. No, that's a great... Yeah, that's absolutely right. Terry, Buzz, Terry Bozio is one of the most notorious from it. Yeah. The rumor was he built a drum kit out of two-inch circular pads and played in front of three mirrors Jeez. to make sure his stroke was perfect when he played. Woo! Have you ever tried to play a two-inch practice pad? <sighs> no. I couldn't do it. I've never even held anything two inches in diameter, much less tried to hit it with a stick. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. But it's true. Oh, you're fucking right, isn't it? Now, but in that same vein, a head is made of practice pad. Really? It's roughly two inches in diameter that screws onto the top of your cymbal stands. Ooh, man. That's something. Well, I mean, and, yeah, I mean, you're going to be, 
you should be a professional if you go that far. And if you work that hard at that, then you ought to be a pro. That, that ought to be your life. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. You don't hit the rims when you're... Yeah. But if we took... <laughs> but My tongs have gotten bigger because it's harder to... <laughs> But I I do think there's something to be said about the lack of time that we've spent not addressing the importance of how we're sitting. Right, right. How Mm -hmm. we're, how we play our drum kit. There was um, my old operations manager when I worked at another another musical retailer when I was living in New Orleans. He's the one that turned me on to Evan's Drumheads. And for the longest time, he said, he's like, you know, one of the things I've been doing is is I've been pushing my throne further and further against the back of the wall, forcing me to straighten my posture and use the wall as my kind of guide. That's kind of right. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's, let's take a look at what happens. If you sit up straighter at the drum kit, you're automatically going to open up your lungs more. You're going to open your chest more. Mm-hmm. You're going to pull more out of your traps. You're going to be able to breathe more effectively. You're going to open up your arms more. But the second you slouch or the second your throne is below your snare, like stupid mm-hmm. low and you're oh, yeah. playing like a fucking monkey in space, <laughs> you're working against yourself. You're making more, yourself more tired than you need to. Yeah, agreed. But those conversations don't happen. Right, right. Because nobody's really talking about those things. I think there's, what is it, in the UK magazine? What's the UK drum magazine? Oh, boy. I don't know. There's what, Drumhead? Maybe Drumhead, yeah. Maybe it's Drumhead. They've got a, they've got a, I want to say he's some sort of orthopedic, but he talks a lot about human anatomy and kind of being better at the drum kit but I think there's not enough of it no we need more of it I mean I can tell you I can tell you for a fact and and, I mean all of us probably can but I mean I I've had back problems ever since I played football in in school so I've had back issues and and I'm I have my spine is actually I can't remember if it's I think it's two inches longer than average even for a guy my size I'm a tall fella but it's like it's longer, you know, than than average. It's weird. I've got a. Thank you. I've got. Oh, I've got no. Is that what? Is that why you've been married so long? Indubitably. Yeah. No, she's a good forgiver. That's why. I'm married. <laughs> she's a good forgiver. Uh, <laughs> man. So uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not scaring anybody off uh, with that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so anyway, I can't remember if it's if it's I I, I think I'm two vertebrae longer than average, for, or I have two extras, I should say. How did so, you get those? I, Where's I, that line? I, I guess I guess in, in heaven they were having a fire sale, and oh, give Meeker two more. He's he's good to go. He's good okay. for him. But now, so that has a has in many ways in my life has affected my back adversely. So I kind of started with a bit of a. Handicapped, sort of in that way. But why? If your anatomy built those two it, extra ones, it needed it. It, it the, the muscular structure isn't hasn't been there. I don't know if it's hereditary or what. My dad has a bad back. My family has bad backs, along with the arthritic bullcrap. But I don't know what it is. But I know for like my current gig, 
is you know a, what country, is your a country gig with a, a young lady who uh, has been taking lessons at the shop where I teach. What's her name? Her name is Michaela Lane. You Did just, I say that even right? Yeah. I don't know. Did you just come up like a really fun gig with her? Michaela Lane. Really, you're gonna ruin her name on on on, uh, on global wait, 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 airways. Wait, wait, wait. She's not gonna Hold hear on. it probably. Cut. Try again. Michaela Lane. There we go. Right, there is that go. better? Right. That's Thanks my best radio you. voice I could come up with. <laughs> Dang near King of the Hill, like. It was. It oh, was. yeah. Actually, you, do a, you really do a good Hank Hill. <laughs> Michaela Lane. See? Perfect. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. That's it. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, so, you know, it's a, it's a fun gig, you know, and she's she's got a lot of talent. She's a young artist. She's she's a great kid, great she's family. She's breathing life into you as well. Uh, you think? I mean, it's been fun. It's there's, different. There's you're a little bit of excitement in the way you're, you're talking about this. I watched. Look, okay, there. I'm excited. Yeah. Fuck. All right. All right. Yeah. No, like, the, the, even though you're still using a music stand and don't know your own damn material. Honestly, I'm not using a music stand now, Roger. I'm using an iPad Pro. Are you still looking at something? Are you still looking at something? Just for safety's sake. Are you looking at something? Because I forget shit. Yeah, I'm looking at something. Let me understand this. Twelve point nine inches. Yeah. Wow. Once again. That's big. Once again. Reaching the other room. I've never been, I've <laughs> never been in Yeah, I'm not scaring anybody up. <laughs> so anyway, no, point is, I don't even know what my point was anymore. We bullshit oh, so much. I'm sorry. But no, no, it's not you. It's mostly me. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, not you, it's me. What was the damn, where was I saying? Michaela? You were talking Michaela. about Michaela and your current gig. Yes, but how way, was that affecting anything The way you we addressed the drum kit. The way oh, you yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. So this, it's mostly... They're they're trying the to and your yeah yeah you're thank you very much they're they're you know they're trying to get to a professional level in the gigs and in the, how long the gigs are and we all know that the more you know pro or higher level the gig is the shorter the set times usually right. are Sometimes you know it's it's rare that you know at the average time of what. A band that's on a, on the circuit, who's already got an album, let's say. 30 minutes to an hour. 30 right. minutes to an hour. It used to be like, it used yeah. to be 55 minutes was the, was the number. You yeah. know, I remember that back at, back at some yep. point. So anyway, we've only done one four-hour, you know, knockdown, drag-out type bar gig, right? Right. And it wasn't even that bad. But four hours, you know, three full sets for, for me is a little difficult. My back gets, my back, in that posture, my back gets a little tired. Mm-hmm. But on these most of the gigs we're doing um, are two-hour gigs. But we've got a 15-minute break in there. Mm-hmm. Plus, they've been doing three acoustic songs that I don't have to play, so I can go stand up, you yeah. know, get you know, straighten myself up. So, man, I've been able to keep my posture pretty darn good on that gig, which which helps a lot. Yeah. But man, those long nights of you know knocking down a blues, you know, just rock gut shuffles yeah. for four hours and down at this, you know, one of those bars over there. Sure. I'd have to, those slow blues ones, you know, those, those really grinders. Yeah. Man, I that, I would slump over and yep. I'm just going to, man, yeah. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to take a break. And then, then when it comes back, when I got to go fast again, I sit yeah. up, you know, so. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kick you in the tenders a little bit here. Well, I mean, go ahead. Like You've also it. struggled with fitness. Oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a large fella. In a general, I got some ge- extra weight. Yeah, in a general terminology, you've struggled. Yes. And I only bring it up because I think that also has an effect on drummers that no one is talking about. It does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's why these guys are hitting the gym all the day. I mean, Mark Schulman, you know, Lester Estelle Jr., who's playing with on the Kelly Clarkson show now. Man, that dude is a 
is a rock. Look at Weckle. Banging, yeah, he's doing bad. I don't know if he's... He's still wearing a freaking muscle t-shirt and just diesel. Yeah, jerk. <laughs> but, I mean, what but is... On the, and look at Vinny. He's closer to me now. <laughs> and he's looking rough. He does look a little Jeez. rough. Love him. I oh, mean, he'll love to get... But yeah, yeah. He looks quite a bit different. So, again, there are those things that we're not discussing mm -hmm. that could benefit. Right, right. You know, our CE... You yeah. Know, God love the kid. The beloved CE. He's lost so much weight, but he's hit a plateau physically because he will not exercise. Right. He right. will not do anything extra to get him beyond that right. that phase. Mark, you're constantly on the road. You're constantly on the go with your job. You're always moving. Well until you're on there, a plane. There, there's a lot <laughs> well, no, there's, there, there's a lot of time on the road where you're there's a lot of windshield time when you're static. Yeah. Mm, and you're just that. You know, and, 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 you know, to be honest, guys, confession, you know, I, I, in the last six, eight months, <laughs> I, you know, I put on about 20 pounds. And, and what I realized is I'm on the road more than I ever have been with my job. Yep. Yeah. It's and hard. I'm going to all these restaurants. Mm. And, you know, I I hear that that voice from you know when you're five years old. You better clean your plate. You know. Oh man, no, you know, yeah, and you're, exactly. you're eating these rich foods at that these restaurants, and they, yeah, oh, I've had some of the most amazing meals, y'all. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, but the thing is, yeah, I mean, I I stepped on the scale and I went, what the hell what just is happened? Happening? Yeah. And 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 it happens the, that the, quick. the first thing is I I went. You know what? What? What has changed? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm trying a lot of new foods in Seattle. There's a lot of great restaurants out there, but honestly, the stuff that I'm eating is not really high calorie. It's not what you would consider unhealthy foods necessarily. But then I start thinking, what else has changed? I'm on the road a lot, mm -hmm. and you're not and I'm eating, and I'm eating out a lot. And yeah. I'm, I'm. You're not gigging as much. I'm not gigging as much. That's right. a, that's a big thing too. When you're not. You're not burning those calories. Drumming burns some cows, man. Uh, it, it really does. According to MyFitness, if you play <laughs> on the MyFitnessPal app, if memory three serves. Hour, three three one-hour sets, yeah, it's... It can get it's you. About, no, I think it's... About it, 900,000 calories. It's almost 900 calories. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Well, I wish but, it was more. <laughs> but but there, there's that, and it's just, you know, what I had to do was go, okay, you know what? I need to eat until I'm... You know, I'm full. The and thing is, it, yeah. restaurants give you enough. They, they they bring you a serving for three people. Oh man, yeah, it's ridiculous. Easily so two meals most so, of the time. Yeah, so yeah, Los Cabos. Here's a trough of food yeah, for twenty right. bucks. Right, and and not not to get on that soapbox, but you know, <laughs> we yeah, eat right, eat right. Don't overeat. Eat right. Exercise if you can. Be active. You know, and the, the other thing that's changed for me when I. When I after stepping off that scale, as I went, you know what? And, and again, my if I'm not on the road, I'm spending most of the day behind a desk. So I, I get in the car, I get home, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to be on my feet. I'm going to be doing something. I'm either going to be drumming or I'm going to be working in the garage. I'm going to be doing something. I'm going to be moving or I'm going to be exercising. Right. Hey, honey, can you help me make the bed? Don't go, <laughs> don't go home. Yeah, we'll come back around to that. Uh -huh. <laughs> 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 Funny. 
but yeah, I, I don't go home and flop my ass in the recliner and, and watch you know, the TV. binge watch the Goldbergs. What's the Goldbergs? Oh man, that, 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 that's another podcast, man. The Goldbergs <laughs> is great, man. You grew up like in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yes, you've got to watch the Goldbergs. I don't have television. Oh, uh, Hulu. I don't have, I do not have internet at home. You know what? Well, you have you're internet probably, somewhere you're else. You're probably so much better than us. Dude, you, you know, don't have. Okay, you don't have. So you don't have crap to, to a, make you. Okay, fat and lazy. Le, I will. Fr I'm not on <laughs> preaching to drummers about fitness because I went back to cycling. Right. That's that's not where it comes from. It comes from. I look at what our job is mm -hmm. as a drummer. We it's have. Physical. The most physical job on stage, mm -hmm. and yet we are also in the worst health. Right. Yeah. By and large, if you sampled a hundred drummers, we're probably in the worst health. As Man, look at what happened to Bottom. Yeah, look that's at, a look, lot of vodka look, and a lot well, of pills. Oh, yeah, man, but, that's but, a lot but, of. Yeah. Okay, so come back around to that. You know, the other thing I've said is, you know what? You're only going to have. Well, you're going to limit your alcohol intake. <laughs> more, more whiskey and less beer. Well, Fewer calories. Hey, you know what? I lost, and I'm not trying to get on a soapbox. Yeah. I lost 30 plus pounds when I stopped giving up booze. Yeah. When I gave Instantly. up the booze. Yeah. You know why? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's all sugar. Your body sees it as sugar. Well, and just, right. that's, that's, okay. It's really only part of the equation. Okay. So the, sh the sugar aspect of it is, is kind of a critical component. Like, there's a misnomer. Um, People will say, oh, well, I'll drink juice instead yeah. of a soda. Right. Okay, well, here's, here's the sad part. When you have juice, the vegetable or fruit has no fiber. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you're drinking juice, but your body can't interpret it as anything healthy because there's no fiber. Right, right. right. So it's like, that's it's, a fucking can of soda. Yeah, right. It's a can of soda. That makes sense. Yeah. So whiskey... Booze, beer, because there's really no fiber involved in it. The body doesn't know what to do with it. Right. It, it's really just looking at it as just a can of soda, yeah. more than anything. Right. And alcohol, by and large, yeah, it's a diuretic. Yeah, it's got these other things that happen within the body. But alcohol, by and large, also prevents our body from absorbing really critical nutrients from our regular meal. Hmm. Yeah. Now, red wine... White wine, yeah, they say those are good for you. Red wine, of course. Oh, the French have been drinking red wine forever with meal, and they don't have many heart problems. Okay, yeah, probably. Well, they're hmm. also not eating a 32-ounce steak for dinner. Because yeah. in the French diet, they don't have those big of portions. Right. Yeah. So, it's small and savory. Mm. So, okay. That's so, me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, it does, but it does bring up a very important part. When you start to talk about a drummer or a musician in a bar environment that's already worked, possibly worked a full day, yeah. now has to eat bar food because he's got to get through the night. He or she's got to get through the night. Right. Oh, and now the bar, you know, now the people in the bar are sending booze up to the band uh, to drink. Yeah. And yeah, you're sweating and yeah, you're moving. But here's, this is a critical component that a lot of people don't pay attention to. So drumming, according to MyFitnessPal, if you play for, I think it's like, I think it's 60, 
think it's 120, 180 minutes. Hmm. I think it equates to like 800 and some odd calories or 900 calories. Yeah. Here's the catch. Only 25% of that is actual real calorie loss. Hmm. Right. The rest is all based on heat. We expel 75% of that calorie loss as just heat. Right, right. Hmm. So we're only really only burning a couple of 300 calories out of that whole thing. So you figure your average whiskey is 60 to 80 calories. Your average beer is 100 calories. You have three beers in a night. You just wasted oh, yeah. your Completely. fucking night's worth a gig. Right, right. So you lost the benefits. And then what happens to most musicians at 2 o'clock in the morning? We go pile on. We go to Waffle House. Eat, man. Waffle House, Whataburger, bitches, let's go eat. Yep, yep. yep. And there's your 1,500 calories, and you've just completely ruined yourself. Yeah. And then you go home, and you're like, oh, honey, I'd really love to have sex, but I'm going to bed. <laughs> so. I'm not there yet. Okay, good. <laughs> but, but those are the things that happen in an average musician's yeah, life. That's true. Right. And then we wonder why the musicians of today are getting bigger and bigger. No joke. Look at Vince Neil. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, he's like the abominable snowman. <gasps> Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit And Mike's <laughs> the audience. If it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't for the crowd, like... He couldn't get through a set. They wouldn't sing right, the songs. Right, exactly. You're right. The crowd okay. sings more than he does. And let's go back 30 years, 40 years ago, that dude was heroin addict thin. Mm -hmm. And could sing his ass off. Yeah. Heroin chic. <laughs> but we all make jokes. But it's true. Yeah. But every look, everybody looks better when they're thinner. Yeah, it's but true. Yet, but again, nobody, I don't, I don't find a lot of retail establishments talking to its patrons and its clients about getting healthy. Yeah. Hey, the, you gotta eat better, man. You gotta do a little bit better for yourself so you can play your gig better. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Ten years ago, I was, I want to say, close to 250 pounds, 260. Yeah, you were, you were a little bigger. I was big. I'm down to 180. I don't sweat on my outdoor gigs anymore. Yeah, that's amazing. That's in 100 degree weather, 110 degree, I don't sweat. Yes, I've been back on the bike for three years. Yes, I've been training in the heat. Yeah. I'm more heat adapted now. Sure. But by not having that 60 or 80 pounds on my body, my body's more efficient and it's able to cool itself better in the heat. Yeah, yeah. I don't suffer those problems. Right. So, it is a concern, and it is something that the industry should talk more about. Because as we all know, how many musicians did we just lose in the past couple of weeks? Yeah. Who did we lose? Uh, Rick Ocasek. Yeah. Eddie Money. Rick Eddie Money. Who's the third? We're still waiting. Have we not had the third yet? We have not. Th that's the problem. We've not had not the third yet. Not going to be me. Not me neither. <laughs> okay. But then let's talk about all those musicians from the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. Super high on drugs. Stoned out of their mind, boozed out, aged badly. Ever. Best yeah, music yeah, ever. Best music ever. For sure. Agreed. But we're gonna see a declination in life. Yeah. Because of all of the things that we did. Now, granted, this doesn't necessarily equate to biomechanics and drumsticks, but it does talk about our longevity as musicians, mm -hmm. and it's a real problem. Yeah. And because nobody in the music industry talks about health and fitness, about musicians being healthy and staying alive, right? People die off. Mm -hmm. Why aren't those conversations happening? 
Why aren't we? If, if nothing else, as a retailer, to extend the retail life of your clients. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting more money out of it. <laughs> All right. That's a good. That's yeah, a good point. Look, look at the value of the customer, not the value of the sale. Well, I'll. I'll Ooh. Wow. There's a sales manager right there. You go ahead and take the rest of the day off. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing it. You've been working hard. Well, I'll tell you something interesting from a big, a, a big guy perspective. Okay. Because you guys are normal. You know, you're Rogers abnormally fit now, which. Is just disgusting to me. I'm just kidding. You're very handsome, and I, I, it's okay. incredible what you've done with your body and the cycling thing. That's all good. And you've always been, you know, okay, a, a slender, a, a more normal looking, more normal built guy, right? That's what I would say. <laughs> Pooch's belly, out. yeah, Pooch it. Go ahead, Mark Pooch flexes it. his pecs and belly. Yeah, yeah. So, but more but, belly than pecs. <laughs> Ooh, we should. You know what I have? I have belly like pecs. I have Actually, belly pecs. You know what? That'd be the greatest band name ever. Belly that's pecs. Insane. More more belly than pecs. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly Performing right. tonight. More belly than pecs. More belly than pecs. Oh, man, that brings to mind another story that I might save. <laughs> no, 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 don't save it. Because um, now you brought it up. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. I don't know. If I, I don't know if I should. I just, uh, dude. Okay, I'm gonna say. This is an All right, I was at a gig one time. I was on this gig, and I, 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 I really, you know, I don't know if I sweet talked this guy or somehow shanghaied him into playing bass with this gig. Really good bass player. So we go play at this, um, this uh, biker bar in town. Which one? Ed's. Oh, Hurricane Lounge. The Hurricane. Ah. The Hurricane Day Ed's. Anyway, so we go play over there. Hang on, before you go too far. Let's explain what Ed's Hurricane Lounge is. Is there a way to describe it? I will do it succinctly. <laughs> all right, I will all right. try. Ed's Hurricane Lounge is a biker bar that's across the street from a very prominent college uh -huh. that's next to a laundromat that has a thousand bras hanging from the ceiling. Yep, yeah. I think that sums it up pretty easily. On 11th Street in Tulsa, and yeah, that might explain it all. If people understood what it was. If people know what that is, and sorry for bringing it up. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so you're so, you're playing Ed's Hurricane Lounge. We're playing Ed's. Is the plywood plank on the pool table? Yes. Okay. It had been. Yeah, for the yep, gig. So, there you go. So anyway, this you know, we're having you know it's a blues typical just you know that type of thing. So um, and this this bass player I begged to get on this gig. We'd done a couple sessions at the time. Never really played in a band together. So he didn't really play that style of music at all. So it was kind of funny all the way around. But. We get out there and you know, the, the biker ladies have a way of getting a little liquored up and wanting to show you their charms, as it were. Otherwise known as showing you their boobs. Tats. And so this, this, this particular one has, uh, has, um, has hit me once already and then she flashes me again and each time I kind of wince and look away because it's it's difficult. <laughs> and you're married. And I'm married, and it's just, and you got to do the right thing. You're right, and and other than that, it's exceptionally uh, god awful. It's, yeah, it's not pretty. It's god awful. God, it's bad. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> like they're rolling them back up. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> actually, this was the opposite problem. These had been augmented. Oh. These were bolt-ons, oh, retrofit, augmented. Yeah, augmented. That's, that's oh, your band. That's your production Jesus. company, isn't it? Augmented. That's right. Christ on a crutch. <laughs> so augmented. anyway, these were completely different because 
they were basketball like, and the, and you know the lines on the ball. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why those were there. Yeah. I don't know what that's for. Wait, you don't know what why on the basketball? The I don't know why the lines, the circle. You know, it circles the anyway. The point being, the stretch marks on her boobs looked like they were basketballs Gross. because they were in these lines, Thick. right? Thick. Tough, tough to tough to deal Thick. with. As a as a in a visual sense, I'm sure she's a very nice person. So anyway, I looked away twice, and and the bass player's like, "Man, I missed it! I missed it!" And I said, "You're not missing you nothing. Miss You're fine." So the next time it happens, unfortunately, it happened another time. He just gets this big look on his face, spins his head, and gets a look at it, and he turns back around and just, oh, he just winces even worse. <laughs> and then he says to me. Man, all I saw was belly, man. I just all I saw was belly. <laughs> oh, belly, man. That was, that was, that was boo. It's just yeah. the belly was supposed to be. So anyway, what was I even going to say before that? Uh, I don't even know the name. Yeah, he said, oh, he the big a, guy thing. He was a thin, handsome thing. man. Right, right. He is a very thin, handsome man. But in the Thinner. big guy culture, there's a thing, and you guys may know this, but when you're growing up and you're a larger guy, Especially maybe maybe it's the era I grew up in. I'm not sure, but yeah, I was not told, "Hey, watch it." My mom didn't come around and pull the plate away from me and say, "That's good." And my mom didn't, you know, tell me not to eat the whole box of cereal in the morning. God, yeah. the whole box of and cereal. those kinds of things, or or at night, don't have three bowls of cereal. Have I, one. I eat all of them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Fuck. Don't eat the whole pizza. You know what? Yeah, don't eat the whole pizza. Bullshit. Just you know, yeah, right. So I can't believe you're what saying. Size is I eat the pizza? whole pizza now. Yeah, right. Well, the, well, you're you've got you're working now. But Jesus. the point is, I, mean, I see a lot of drummers, you know, and and culturally, black drummers that are bigger guys. If you've mm. got, if you're, you know, a big old guy or, or or black, you know, even bass players that are big, or you know, anything. If you got a cool groove, or you can slam out or chop out. And you're a big guy. No one says, hey, you're incredible. Why don't you put the fork down? No one says that. Ever. You'll last a lot longer if you put... No one ever yeah. says that And to you'll us. be able to play even yeah, better. Yeah, you'll be able to play even better. No one says that to us. Everyone says, hey, man. You know, like, like I grew up playing football. So it was like, the, it worked for me. The yep. bigger I was. My dad was proud that I was a large yep. kid. Even if he thought I was fat. I knew he thought I was fat. But anyway, that's what I was meant to say about that. Is that it's going to crush it's, that kid. It's... it's, it's, it's it's almost encouraged, and no one says, "Hey, you need to," you know. You, and no coach ever came to my dad and said, "Hey, you know, you need to help him back yeah. off." Yeah, right. that doesn't ha that doesn't happen. And, no, and in a lot. That's that's a it's whole. A that's struggle. a whole. That's a whole other podcast. It's a I mean, struggle. You're talking about football players, though. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, but you know, even as a musician, it's like, man, he's big as a house, and he throws right. down. It's like well, no one know, says, I'm you like, know, but he's gonna die see, my, at forty. My my, you know? ne my nephew talks about that, you know. He he was always a, a bigger kid, and yeah, you're right. Like no nobody nobody pulls the plate away and says, "Hey, you know." You might want to throttle back mm -hmm. a little bit, there, you know. Too. And, and, and he, even even my mom, you know, God rest her soul, love her dearly. You know, she was, you know. You look like J you need a cheeseburger. Do you want J me to make Jamie, something else? <laughs> well, no, I heard you. Jamie's such a good eater. <laughs> right, know? right. And he's, he, you know, he's a comedian now, and he, 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 he he's like worked that into his, into his act. Yeah, you know? might as well use what you good. got. You know, but yeah, people, I don't know, if, is it a cultural thing? Is it, a, is it 
you know, generations past or what, but yeah. Know, I mean, I know there's that know, thing that's like clean your plate, you know, from yeah. depression era and the impoverished people. I get that, but at the same time, come well, on. Yeah, yeah. There's and uh, it, I think it's a it's a hard thing, you know. How, how do you you don't want to you don't want to beat the kid up. You don't want to make them feel bad about themselves, but at the same time, how do you how do you teach them good eating habits? Mm. And I, I think you know, I mean that's that's one thing with my kids. I mean I've got got three girls that are that are grown now. You know the oldest one's almost twenty, and you know they've always been very athletic, and we never had never really had soda in the house mm. because we just hated it. You well, know, that's it, was, good. it was it wasn't like you know we're, we're you know we weren't policing the the the, the sugar consumption as much as we were just we hate these things hmm. we weren't like these hypercritical um I don't know, super health nuts right but right. but i think part of it we got lucky and part of it we we hated certain things like soda unless it's got whiskey in it then it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's a wash but, but so 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 the kids they they really you know, they come in the house after soccer practice, and like the first thing they want is, is water, not juice, not soda, not mm -hmm. you know. That's so, awesome. So we we kind of got lucky there, but um, is it luck or is that it was it was just the way you guys already lived? Well, it, I, think, more, yeah, huh? I think it's I think it's probably a, a combination of the two. One, they didn't they didn't really crave it; they didn't ask for it. Well, we didn't go. We didn't go to the grocery store with the kids, and then go right to the soda aisle, and you know, hey, we need soda, we need Twinkies, and we need you know, homemade right. cream pies. You know. You mean you were being a parent? <laughs> well, no. Don't no no no. Don't shortchange it. May, maybe maybe. No. But well, no I'll, maybe. I'll tell you this: if I could go back, there are other things like ketchup and ranch and things that I wouldn't have <laughs> ever had in the house. Like you know. You quit putting ketchup on everything. You know what's what's up with your your infatuation with ranch dressing? You know? <laughs> well, but look, I I have no kids. I have no skin in the game. Uh -huh. I I've never professed that I could be a parent, and I couldn't. And I I admire every single person that decides to be a parent. I think it's one of the most challenging jobs around, and I think in today's market and in today's era, raising a kid is even more challenging. Mm -hmm. I think there's way too many influences. I think there are way way too many external pressures on yeah. humans in general yeah. Yeah. that to bring another young life into this world is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Right. Uncontrollable influences, man. That's the thing. But it is controllable if people step up to be the parent that they allow themselves to become yeah. by getting pregnant. And, mm -hmm. and, but as you've already kind of stated that job has become about twice as hard oh i couldn't even imagine i look yeah. at it today i'm just like it's hard i'm blown away yeah so now take it into the context of me as a retailer i have to look at what's happening with my current clients mm -hmm. the people that we call family within right. our shop mm -hmm. they're 30s 40s and 50s yeah they may or may not have kids those their kids may or may not already have kids. So yeah. now it begs the question, how do I influence those kids as a retailer if they want to become drummers to be better? Mm -hmm. right. How how can I encourage them to eat smarter, to be better, to just hey, take a take a couple extra seconds and think about that before you do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I believe one of the things that we do very well is that we take ourselves out of the equation and ask more questions. 
tell me more about you. Tell me more about what you're trying to accomplish. Tell me more about what you see your sound to be or mm -hmm. what you want to do next. How do you want to improve? How can we help shape that? Right. And I don't think a lot of retailers do that anymore. I, I think don't think it's, very many retailers ever did that, did they? Well, I mean, there was a time a little. Yes. It seemed like they did. But. Uh, well, in all fairness, when I was, when I first landed in Southern California, it was 1981 by, got to remember where I lived, one, two, <laughs> by 83, I discovered the Guitar Center in the San Fernando Valley where I lived on Ventura Boulevard, mm -hmm. and I was able to take the bus there. Hmm. And what made that so powerful was I also was able to take the bus into Hollywood and go to the Hollywood Pro Drum Shop. Ah, oh, yeah. But the guys at, at the Guitar Center there, there was only two in the entire world at that time. There was the one in the Valley and the one in Hollywood. Wow. The one in the Valley, the guys there that worked in the drum department were all gigging musicians. Hmm. Every one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... I was a young kid, long hair, punk kid, but I loved the craft. I never went in there and banged on all their acoustic kits until, ah, rah, 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 like I never did that. Right. I wanted to learn. Right. So I literally would, my mother, before I would take the bus, like if she happened to be going on that side of the town to do errands, she would drop me off. But I was never a nuisance. I was never a problem. I yeah. always hung out. I just listened. I kept my mouth shut. I spent a lot of time paying attention to the things that they shared with other drummers. Yeah, yeah. And if I could, if there was a moment where they weren't apparently busy or obviously busy, busy, I would ask a question. Those guys took the time to show me the craft. They were talking about, I remember distinctly about asking the question, hey, I know I'm, I'm not tuning my drums well, so I've been kind of shortchanging it with a little bit of duct tape and paper towels. Hmm. And they said, no, 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 you should learn how to cut your own dead ringers. And I was like, hmm. what's a dead ringer, you say? <laughs> right. And they showed me how to cut one myself. And I never used them, but they took the time to show this kid how to do something, how to be better at his craft. Yeah. Yeah. And in today's marketplace, with the ability to shop instantly with two or three clicks, and you've got a product delivered to you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's lost. That education, that, that experience is completely lost. Yeah. So now we, we, we relay that back to biomechanics. We relay that back to posture at a drum set. How to choose the right drumstick. How mm -hmm. to choose the right drum head for what you're trying to do. How to buy the right cymbal or shit. How to even choose the right drum kit for what you're trying to do. Yeah, right? exactly. There's so much information, but yet it's just kind of, people are just, it's like a big pinata. They're kind of left yeah. to their own devices. Yeah, and that's never good. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, people don't, they don't get any guidance. They go in a guitar center and... Or anywhere. Or, yeah, mo most, most retail drum shops or, or music stores and they're just... It's over there in the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh, you you need this uh, you need this three thousand dollar less Paul because that's what I want to sell today. Because mm. I need the commission. Right. You know? We got which ten of these. We need to move. Which is right. unfortunate. Yeah. Now, in that same defense, though, I'm also a firm believer that I'm a I'm a top. We are a top down seller. 
Yeah. As a retailer, we are a top down. We do not upsell. Ever. Right. Right. But we also take the time to do the fact finding mission of well, let tell me more about where you're at, what you're trying to right. accomplish. Tell me about the sounds. Tell me about where you're like. Give me more information. Right. And whatever that ideal product is, is where we start. Yeah, I mean, it makes yeah. total sense. For everything that you've said in this box, this is your best choice as to what we can get. Right. Oh, and usually the response is, that's, okay, I'll take that one. Right. Or, I really like it. It's a little out of my price point right now. Yeah. Okay, great. Here's an alternative. You're going to lose a couple things on this side of the equation, but you'll still maintain the bulk of this. Yeah. Right. But it's not in your color. Okay, those are, those are some sacrifices I can make to achieve it within my price point. And, and because it's so easy to base everything now on what a product description is and a few reviews. Yeah, geez. So many, like my big question is, how many returns are happening as a result of that? <laughs> how yeah, much gear is right. being delivered to people and going, God, this isn't really this what, isn't I, what I, want. I wanted. Oh, yeah. yeah. This isn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and again, Get it out of here. Yeah. And now we go back to drumsticks all the way back around with just a few more questions. Couldn't a retailer help a drummer be better? Yeah, yeah of course. So why isn't that the norm instead of the exception? Because selling comes first most of the time. But you're still selling. If you walk in there and if a kid, I mean, I've heard a lot of times a customer comes in to other shops I've been in, says, I want this because, and the guy says, well, why do you want to do that? And if he get, tries to, I've heard it tried to figure out what the, you know, the customer is trying to get at. Mm -hmm. And I've heard before, you know, those questions sort of being, you know, that road going down anyway, mm -hmm. going down that road. And then... The person just say, well, my favorite drummer is this, and he plays that, so that's, that's what I want. And it's like, it didn't matter. That's all, yeah. it, that's all it came to, you know? So Back, back to, give me, give me the Tommy Lee stick. Give me, give me the Lars stick. Give me the Danny yeah. Carey stick. Give me, yeah, exactly. Good God, you could knock down a house with the Danny Carey stick. Yeah. I, I could not play the Danny Carey stick. But he's, you're also it, not 6'6". Six, six. Nah, exactly, exactly. With a hand the size of fucking Sandman. Yeah, that's right. big. Good God, that dude's massive. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. It plays better than you think, though. Oh, yeah. Because it's got the large bulbous rear end on it. No, it's got divot in the middle now. Aye, aye, but it's, it's still got a bit more of a butt than the average. No, it's all the same. We've discussed this. They changed it? Because it like was 65 or 66 in the butt, but no, like 63 to the... That's, but the average person's not going to feel that big of a difference. <laughs> I mean, the difference... Ah, that's not what your mother said. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I mean, it's crass. been a while, so maybe she did. Yeah, yeah, that was crass. No. But, but at the end of the day, th those are all legitimate statements. Again, it, it goes back to if we just took a few more minutes... Right. We could help that drummer be better. Yeah. 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 And if drummers took a t took the time to evaluate themselves, yes, you nailed it right there. Drummers need to take the time to evaluate themselves. They need to take the time. Yeah, that's to, true. You know what? I'm gonna spend a couple hours at the drum shop and I'm gonna try some sticks. Yeah, because Roger cares. Roger well, cares. Is, this is it. But 
But no, no, it's really it's it, drummers are not. You mentioned the retailers aren't making the investment. Yeah. In, in the in the the customer. No. Well, rarely. The the customers aren't making the investment in themselves that they need to make. No. I'm, I'm guilty of it. Oh, I'm sure you're guilty. Absolutely. Of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, I've I've probably played. 25, 30 different models over the years, and I still don't have the one that is perfect for me. It's hard. I'm to still making compromises after all these years. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. not every model is being able to be made. Well, there's also the fact that I have not played every model. You that, can't. That, that's over there. I don't even have every model. It's I got slots no, I, for I haven't like... even played every model that you do have. I know. <laughs> what I'm saying is, but I haven't made the investment either. And and I think it's a two-way street. Yep. The 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 uh, the retailer has to has to invest more in the consumer. Yes. The consumer has to invest more in themselves and their craft. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What what do I want to accomplish? How do I want to accomplish it? How do I have the right tools? Right. But they, they used to be that in, in society, though, in, in life, that used to those that kind of concept was kind of taught to you to figure that out. Yeah. And now you got so much like we talked about the barrage of everything is well, out there. It's it's, it's really tough to make. Right. It. I mean, it's, we're in it's we're so in so much. It's overwhelming. There's right. So I mean, many sticks to try. How we're do in the I quick know fix. what sticks to try? Right. We're in a quick fix state of life. You yeah. know, with with YouTube and everything else, you can get just everything's right now. And it's just well, and, yeah. And then so you, it's not taught, you, you know. You, and and the people that are teaching are often teaching the wrong things. Yeah, right. Because they don't know. Because they don't know. No, because they're, they're throwing darts. You know, and I've come here before. I've like woke up, and it's like my something of mine has gone to shit. Uh -huh. I'm 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 taking it to the drum shop today, and I'm gonna get Roger's perspective on it and see if I because I I know this is shit. Yeah. Whether it's well, you but, know. But even, Whatever. but even I'm, like I I appreciate the compliments, and 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 I, admittedly, in my youth, did not have the understanding of my craft that I do now. Sure. But I owe my understanding of my craft today because of the cycling industry. Gotcha. So in cycling, especially in competitive cycling, we always want to be better. Yeah. And there are tools at our disposal that we can actually get true metrics to see that we're improving, that we're mm. being better. And we do those self-assessment tests where we can legitimately go, that's a market improvement and I've got the data to prove that. Mm -hmm. Now, in the old days, we didn't have that access to data that we do now. But even back then, we would keep handwritten logs. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. it really boiled itself to, I woke up feeling this way, checked my heart rate, it was this. I slept kind of okay. There were some weird things going on in my head. Hmm. Like you, you started, you as a competitive cyclist, you tracked this data. You wrote it down. Hey, I did a workout at lunch, I felt okay. Legs were a little sluggish. Yeah. Did an afternoon workout, felt fantastic. Here's the food I ate, here's kind of the metrics. Now, I have access to so much data. Um, mm -hmm. Just to give you kind of an idea, on, <clears throat> on my bicycle, I have what's called a power meter, yeah. which is attached to the cranks of my bike, which measures all kinds of data. How fast am I pedaling? How much pressure is being applied? How much energy am I putting to the, to the crank itself? Lots of different data. There's a sensor on my rear hub 
that's tracking all kinds of other data. And then I have a heart rate monitor that's also tracking its fair share of data. All of that gets fed into my, my, my what's in a sense a computer or a head unit mm -hmm. that now takes all that data from those three devices and is able to create its own packet of data that then gets uploaded hmm. to another set of algorithms that literally will give me like, I want to say it's almost 30 or 40 columns of data. Jeez. Wow. That talks about all this stuff that I didn't even know it existed, <laughs> but now that it does. Wow. But for drummers and musicians, we don't have access to that kind of data. We don't have any way right. to measure those things. Right, right. Hey, how did I feel after that gig? How do I feel after five days of gigs? You know, our, our mutual friend Randy Cook, you know, Randy's getting older. Yeah. But he is physically taking a beating. He's got a heart issue. He's got a back issue. His body is physically taking a beating from all these years of three, four, five night gigs each week. Now he's doing sound and loading in sound gear. Mm -hmm. So now he's starting to deal with energies and impactors, mm -hmm. or in the cycling world, we call uh, training stress. Yeah. Yeah. That we didn't realize before. Man. So there's a lot of these individual factors that are happening that we're not paying attention to that are really becoming impactors on the way we approach our gig and the way we feel during and after the gig. Right. And how do we feel the next morning? Yeah. How's our body feel when we wake up the next morning? We're just like, oh my God, I'm just wrecked from that gig. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just wrecked from moving shit. <laughs> oh, from, from low to low? You know, playing yeah. isn't... For, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not trying to say, you know, it's a piece of cake. But I'm saying, I mean, after all these years of playing, I've kind of whittled it down to a thing to where, okay, you know, I can physically play mm -hmm. for hours. You know, if I needed to, if I, you know, if I wanted to. But, man, it's, for some reason, load, you know, loading in, setting up, and then playing isn't so bad. But then... It out. feels like the loadout kills me more than anything. You know why that is? Why that is. So, <laughs> going back to cycling technology. Right. So when you wake up in the morning, and, and I'll give you kind of the illustration of what TSS or... Uh, training stress. Training say, stress. Right? When you wake up, your body goes through this thing. Maybe you wake up, the first thing you do is look at your phone. For whatever reason. Yeah. That's an immediate stressor on your body that you don't even realize is happening. There's actually now true medical data and correlation that people have morning anxiety. Their body is experiencing anxiety before they even wake up because the first thing they do is look at their phone. I get that. This is, it's a, it is, they've measured it. It's actually getting worse. Wow. Now, you wake up, you do your thing. I got to deal with the kids. I got to walk the dog. I got to make breakfast. I got to prepare for my day. I've got to answer those four email. Shit, now this phone call just came in. Your stress load for that morning already went up to a 50. Hmm. Yeah. Without you even realizing it. Right. So now you get through <clears throat> to lunch. You've had a bad client. You had an issue. You had to fix something. Shit, my car got a flat. Right. By noon, you're at 100. You're blown, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're already exhausting your body and you don't even recognize it. Yeah. So now it's a Friday and you realize it's Friday. Well, 
what happens on Fridays? Usually there's always some extra issue and you're like, shit, I've got to hurry up and get across town, but I got to get my gear. Fuck, I forgot my gear. Mm-hmm. I got to go back to the house. I got to load my gear. You're at a 200 before you even walk into that gig. So yeah. now you got to set up. Now you got to play for three hours. You got to deal with all the chaos. You got to deal with that drunk ass broad that <laughs> falls all over your drum kit because she can't see straight. Right. Oh, get off my drum kit, you freaking whore. Wait, <laughs> hey, is that a nipple? You know, and <laughs> is that a nipple? But by the end of the night, it's now 1.30 in the morning. You've been up for 20 18, hours. 20 yeah. hours. You're at a 300 plus of stress load on your body. Now you're like, we're done. Now I got to load out. Yeah. Your body is so beat up, you don't even realize it. And that's what's happening. I am starting to realize it. Right. But you <laughs> don't. But you have when you're no, young, you sure don't. But you have no metric to understand how that's happening or why it's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we don't think it's a real thing in the music world. Yeah. But when you look at drummers that are doing, when you look at musicians that are doing van tours, where they're shoving two and three vans inside of one van mm-hmm. and they're out on the road for 30, 40 days Ugh. and they're, yeah. you know, they're making a hand sandwich. Yeah. They got a piece of bread mm-hmm. and some mayo and they're thinking they're going to get a meal tonight. Right. You know, they're, they, they start to lose weight because they're not eating well. Right. They all come back sick. Yep. Every one of them that comes off of that van tour comes back sick, super leaned out, way overstressed. And then they disappear for a couple of weeks because they just can't recover. Right. All of that falls into the same thing that we experience in cycling under TSS. And but we can physically measure that. We hmm. can digitally yeah. measure that impact. That's amazing. But we don't have that. So when we get to that, you know, we're finishing up our Saturday night gig and it's our third night in a row, we wake up Sunday morning and we're just like Oh my god, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and we wonder why. And it really just stems from all this load that goes into our bodies in a daily basis that just has its impact. And and if there's a way that we could talk about those things in a more open forum, maybe we could come up with better ways to solve it. Right. Maybe so. That'd be nice. And I'm not saying that I've got the answers, because I certainly don't. But my craft has improved in my later years because of the years I spent in cycling and having a better understanding of my body, of how I approach things, of how I look at things. And as 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 a mechanic, I learned a lot more about the mechanical side of our craft as well that I didn't have before. I think I've got a more, I think I, I think now more than ever I have a more tangible understanding of the the physical nature of the individual pieces sure there's still a hundred years for me to learn yeah but i think i understand it a little bit better sure and yeah. i can kind of sift through some of the bullshit yeah you know i mean i got almost i practically got kicked off the dw tour <laughs> oh man i would have liked to have seen that it was it, i mean i got a talking to you from my rep afterwards <laughs> But, but, uh, but in all fairness, it also goes back to I'm I just even in the cycling industry, I used to get kicked out of trade show booths because I would ask all the hard questions that nobody wanted to answer. Right. It's like okay, that's really cool. Why? 
How does that benefit the writer? Where's the value? Show me why this works. Tell me, like, okay, well, why did you do that? Why didn't you do it this way? What about the, get out. Yeah. Just <laughs> fucking go away. Security! Exactly. <laughs> and literally, that was the response I got on the DW tour. Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. But I'm going to ask those questions. Right. But yet, why aren't we as drummers asking those questions of ourselves and our peers about, hey... I mean, like, let's be honest. Drummers are the first ones to shed. We're the first ones to share. Hey, man, how'd you get that lick down? How'd you do that yeah. wrist technique? How'd right. you do that finger thing? Right. But yet we're also the last ones to talk about our health and fitness. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Hey, how did you make it through that other gig? That seems to be more prevalent, I've, I've come to find out, among guys that, you know, are at the bigger touring level. They talk about health and, mm -hmm. and one of the first things that comes up is sleep that's one of the first things they talk about absolutely yeah. if they're going to talk you know when they're sharing things yep. or whatever then first thing they did talk about is sleep next thing is what you're eating yep yeah and uh that kind of exercise yeah they're, they're talking about that kind of stuff so that happens at that level mm -hmm. you know when those guys all ha all they have to do is hang out for 10 hours in an arena somewhere you know in the summers right for you know you know, so sometimes also, they talk about that stuff. But they're also existing on a bus. Yep. Yeah. They've got a two by four by seven foot space that they're Oh, no. That's I, it. I meant to, I did not mean to glamorize it one bit because it would be excruciating for me. God. Yeah. It's, it, you've got a cubby hole. Yeah. Oh. You've got to exist in a drum case. I mean, you're, you're in a box. It's, so that's difficult. But it is interesting that they, you know, I'm learning that those guys actually talk about that. Did that happen in the 70s and 80s? Who knows? Well... Well, I, I remember uh, in Modern Drummer reading an article with uh, Rod Morgenstein, and he was all about the fitness. Yeah, avid runner. About, you know, they, 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 yeah, they go on tour, and, you know, yeah, he's, he's trying to eat right. He's getting up. He's, he's hitting the hotel gym. He's, he's you know, running miles. Yep. I don't know. What is he ran a lot. He, yeah, yeah. He, he ran his freaking butt off. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, go out, play the gig do the rock star thing and then you know back on the health wagon you know yeah. it's uh you're, you're right i mean at that at that level they're they're thinking of those things and and maybe they had the time to do that and it, us as mortals and yeah <laughs> and, and, yeah mortals um you know we're working day jobs we're yeah. putting food on the table yeah. and then we're going out and we're doing what we love and there's all and, and there's that visual element too right you're up there you're yeah. on stage we can't be all looking like Steely Dan in 1977. Thank you, Paul Roper. You know? Those, as he would say, you think they would have made it on MTV? Hell no. Hell no. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? is like yeah. the, There's a visual element. It has to be, you know, it's got to be an attractive visual. To, you don't want, you know, I mean, the, the, the fat guitar guy is not, you know, <laughs> it's a different thing in that yeah. way. So I don't know that... I know some of that plays into it, but but like you say, it's like you know, and even Elvin Jones, the yeah. chain smoker that he was, yeah. so that was horribly awful. I don't know about any drinking, but if everyone seems to know that he was quite a bit of a chain smoker. He would he mentioned back in, I think I read an article with him in the late '80s, where or in the '90s, where he said, you know, while the other guys, you know, that's tempting because you haven't eaten that well. These yeah. jazz musicians, you know, they're not getting big money anyway cool. right so they show up to the gig and 
the one of the big things is the steak dinner. You know, you <laughs> yeah. get your money and and you get some booze because that's easy. Yeah. You know, and wherever you're playing at the club mm -hmm. or whatever. But their big thing is these guys are talking about, man, I can't wait to eat the steak dinner. I can't wait to eat. So these guys will all go out and just destroy their bodies, just stuffing themselves with yep. yeah. you know red meat and whatever God knows else. But I was like, man, I'll find the corner store and get me some sardines and a gallon or half a gallon of milk. And he would just try to eat as leanly, you know. Yep. Not yeah. that those things are awesome for everybody, but he just sounds disgusting. You're right, exactly. <laughs> you have a box of sardines and some milk and something else, and that was his. That's how he tried to do it, yep. you know. A few crackers to carve up, and right now he <laughs> probably wouldn't have lasted nearly as long with the smoking, but you know, but well, still. But in that same vein, you're talking about you got to you got to sleep, you got to eat, and you got to move. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. In the '80s. And I and I and I recount this woman, and I thank her on a regular basis, even though the fitness industry ran her out. Hmm. Susan Powder. Mm, that sounds from. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop the her. insanity. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. Her big thing was you got to eat, you got to sleep, and you got to move. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, because she didn't subscribe to the fitness industry's norm of you got to use that Nautilus equipment, you got to do that. You, yeah. The fitness industry ran her out and yeah. bankrupted her. Dang, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh. was her big thing. Like, you don't need all this other bullshit. Right. Like, you, <laughs> all this other over. shit you don't need. <laughs> right, right. You don't need to go to the, You gotta sleep well. You yeah. gotta eat right, and you gotta get up and fucking move. Yeah. You know? And when you look at the opportunities of bar food nowadays, what's bar food? Chicken strips, fucking yeah. burgers. Yeah. Wings. Philly cheesesteak. Philly yeah, cheesesteak. Awful, awful. Just pizza. Awful. But there's not, like, at no point are they not, how are they not taking into account at least offering a few healthy alternatives for their patrons and the potential band members that need to eat? Yeah. How is that not a consideration? Because here's the cool thing about healthy food it takes up less space. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't make a mess. Right. And your farts aren't nearly as stanky. <laughs> Well, I well, know. I don't know about that. Uh, it sounded you, good in the British accent. Uh, if you're eating asparagus, <laughs> that's basically all that was. Yeah, yeah but if you're eating asparagus man. and beets, that yeah, is, that's yeah, you're right. That's, mm -hmm. I take it back. But what does my pee stink? Yeah, <laughs> but that's but those are all very real issues yeah. that, as an industry, nobody's really talking about except when you get to that pro level, and that's because these guys are talking about. I've been on the road for two months. Mm -hmm. We've been at it for three months. We're tired. We're yeah. whooped. We are cooked. Yeah, yeah. You know, but. When you look at, let's say, a pro cycling team, let's just take this for example, a professional cyclist that's on, let's say, on the international stage, on the world, on the world stage, right. uh, the average big event is a 21-day stage event. Ooh. There's, I think, one or two days of rest. Oh. Outside of that, every day on the bike is a minimum of five hours. Mm. Wow. They're eating so much food yeah. before while they're on the bike and once they're done it's mind-blowing <laughs> the amount of food that these that professional and elite cyclists consume would boggle your mind I bet mm -hmm. I mean it's it's you know I'll give you a great example you know a couple of years ago I did Leadville the Leadville Trail 100 right. which is a 104 mile mountain bike race that day was an 8,600 calorie ride. Oof. That's how many calories I burned. 
and it was not warm. But at the end of the day, if you do the simple math, that means I only burned about really 2,500 calories of my own body weight. Right. Mm -hmm. I was eating every hour. I was eating every aid station. I was drinking so much water. Like it was mind blowing. And then at the end, and before that I had a giant meal. After that, when we got to the Mexican restaurant, I ate so much food, I almost passed out. <laughs> now granted, I had a margarita and I was exhausted, well, you know, but yeah. because we don't address these health issues and we don't talk about this as being an important factor, we're kind of, we're shortchanging our clients, we're shortchanging our musicians, and literally we're shortchanging our retail cycle. Right. That's true. Because if you drummers die off, I've got no people. Right, right. Uh, hello? Yeah, exactly. Hello. 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 Oh, I showed them Team America tonight, too. I saw part of that. Yeah. I saw the scene. Yeah, that, well, that's a different scene. I showed oh. them, <laughs> I showed, I showed them Kim Jong-il. Hello, oh. I'm so Ronry. I'm so Ronry. Oh, so Ronry. <laughs> that is hilarious. So, it, within the context of all this, yeah, we kind of got off on a tangent on health and fitness and, and, and how this equates to us as drummers. But it is important. Yeah, terribly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to, you know, we've talked about my weight before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my wife and I talk about it. I've tried to, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm going that way. Probably you, not as you, fast you, as I should. You've lost a bunch of weight. I have, but I've, I've plateaued. After, yeah. the booze, after the booze stoppage, like I said, I dropped 30-something. But that's a lot if you think about it. No, it's a lot, and it was and that was great. But I mean, I've, I've plateaued, and I've actually gained a little bit more because it's like 120 know. quarter pound cheeseburgers, man. <laughs> Ready to go on the quick math there, monkey. Waiting, nicely Jesus. done. Jesus, nicely done. But yeah, I mean, still, it's 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 you know, it's just it's just tough. It's just it's just it's I don't know. And it's never going to get easier until we decide to make a change. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And I think if. If the music industry and the instrument industry really wanted to improve, let me hang on. Let me go back another direction. In the cycling industry, as a comparison, there's always something new mm -hmm. to make the the experience better, to be a little bit more efficient, to make the bike better, to make your ride better. Hmm. There's there's always an enhancement that's coming through. Hey, we made these tweaks to this bike so you could get more out of it. Hmm. If we really look at drumming, if we look at drums as an instrument, since they were developed at, at Conga Square in New Orleans, mm -hmm. what's really changed about the drum set? Boy, it hasn't changed much since the 20, uh, 30s? Maybe 40s, maybe, right? Yeah. The 40s after the war when they started got right. back to metal instead of wooden lugs. Well, and, and then we moved the hi-hat a yeah, little bit higher. I, I, yeah. think, I think most of the, most of the changes have, um, have been a benefit to the drum set, not the drummer. Yep. Yeah, and the manufacturer. Yeah. 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 But yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, there's be been... Better, no... better hardware, e easier to set up. Things like that, mm -hmm. you know, it's not better shell construction. Better shell construction, yeah. better resonance. But does any of that? No one cares about no. It, not helping drummer any at all. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. No, nothing. No, no, one no. of them's easier to play. Right, right. <laughs> nothing. Nothing that a drum vendor makes makes us a better player. No. Right. No. Nothing is addressed to help the drummer be better, or feel better, or play better, or be able to approach the kit better. Like there's none of those conversations. Right. And if we really look at innovation, what are we still playing? Cylindrical tubes made out of With wood and metal. Plastic stretched over the end of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. But I will say, back in the day, they had cocaine in their coke. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> man, that's a yeah, joke. That's, no, that's no, a joke. But it's real. It's, it's true. Real. It's true. Well, no, you go, it? you go back to, the, <laughs> you go back to the uh, to the the slender rock stars of the eighties. Yeah. Hey, they were all coked out of their minds. Yeah. Coke, <laughs> cigarettes, booze. Yeah, their, their systems were running at one hundred and thirty-five percent. Well, right. shit, they were right. slamming. Look at the Motley Crue and the Bon Jovi videos. There's bottles of Jack Daniels everywhere. Every, oh yeah, yeah. All yeah. the all the big like. And kids, oh. we're not saying that's the way to health and fitness at all. But. No, God no, God. no. But yeah, I mean that that was that was an unhealthy. Oh man. Uh, that was an unhealthy, slender, unhealthy, yeah. skinny, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it. But, um, that that was not people taking care of themselves. That that was that was people wrecking themselves to a point that there was not much left but skin and bones. Boy, that's well, true. And, okay, let's take the Rolling Stones for example. Wow, how do they do it? What are they in their seventies? Yeah, yeah. Well, Charlie's in his eighties. Later, I think okay. later eighties. And they still look acceptable. But you look at <laughs> but you look at some of the rock stars from the eighties. They are fucking. Haggard. Oh yeah, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are not looking good. Those so, guys looked worse in the eighties. Okay, mean, so then does that mean they were treating their bodies even worse? I think so. Than the ones in the seventies when drugs were really like everybody's doing it. Like I think there's those questions. Yeah, they're good questions. I think the I think the physical demands were a bit different. Absolutely. For mm-hmm. um and not. Going from 70s to 80s. Right. Oh, God, yeah. By, by the time the 80s came around, the, the industry had had figured out there was a formula for them to make money, in the industry big, to make money. So what shows. are we going to do? We're going to put these we're gonna put these dogs and these ponies out there. Get out there. 200 them gigs out a year. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Make get a up. record. Get back out Wash there. your hair. Go you know? do it again. Exactly. Or not. Rinse I don't care. Yeah. In the 70s, it was just a bit slower. It was different. You know, it was just, it was a slower grind. On, mo- on some of those guys. I wouldn't say it's well, exactly that then, way. Then you look at Kiss that was putting out an album every six months. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a good Kiss talk earlier. Your, 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 your theory holds weight except for a few except artists. For <laughs> except well, for Kiss. But, right? but, but within that same vein of as that road that you're traveling down, that also brings up today's musician. Mm-hmm. In today's marketplace, you have, a, you have a drummer that's coming up as a kid that has 60 different inputs of stimulus mm-hmm, right. every minute of their day. Yeah. How much is that wearing on them? Yeah. I, I t- so we're I get, 30 and 40 years from knowing how that pans out. So I get parents coming in today asking, hey, do you guys give lessons or are lessons important? I think lessons are important because that young person is coming into a lesson with all this input, all this stimuli mm-hmm. from YouTube, from Instagram, from Facebook, from go fuck yourself, from TikTok, <laughs> like all this cacophonous information right. and video input. You're stymied. You're 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 paralyzed. And it There's takes so an instructor shit. to go, hang on, man. Let, let's let's kind of clear the desk a little bit. Let's get some of this crap out of your head. Yeah. Let let's kind of, let's pick something that's of interest. Let's. Right. Let's pair this back. Let's 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 kind of get you focused a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that's where an instructor is truly invaluable. But I also think that if that instructor doesn't look at that drummer as a human, mm-hmm. they're only getting half the picture. 
Yeah, I yeah. agree. I try to help my, you know, students with some postures and some, I know some things that I've neglected, so I try to help them with the things I've learned now. But, you know, it, man, it's tough. It's tough. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, just, it's just, it's, you know. And why does that guy set those toms up like that? <laughs> oh, right. What's with the wing toms? What is that? Yeah. We were talking about that yeah. the other day. Oh, oh, it's like ergonomically impossible. I couldn't play that shit. I mean, you know, I can play some, some drum kit, but I can't play. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, that's yeah. a tangent. You know what? Well, the reason it happened was square drums way back in the day. You couldn't actually get those into a very good position that's over the true. bass drum. Right. They only fit that way. That's right. The mounts were, were horrible. Forget the mounts. The drums were too damn big. Yeah. Oh, you think? Well, you figure you take oh, a 22-inch totally. bass drum and then you got a 12 or a 13-inch well, deep Oh, we're talking about that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, like if you okay. when you pin those together and try to get those in a really good position, you're... Dude, I saw I saw guys with twenties playing playing a, a a twelve by eight and a nine by thirteen or two twelves that they they still did that through the wings out there. Oh, it's just well. Yeah, it's like oh god, that's terrible. Ear toms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse ears. Right, they're way. It's like, golly. But again, I'm a, but I'm gonna go back to. There was nobody that was in a place right. of power that could say, "Hang on." Yeah, right, let's change no one, this. That, see, okay, so. Ethan, you know, yeah. he brings his kid over to my house, and the first thing I looked at was how he's setting it up. And yep. I said, you can do this a lot more efficiently. You, you can play without wearing yourself out yep. every night. You know, let, let's look at your setup. And that was the first thing we did. Yep. That's cool. Is, is just get them a, a, a proper, efficient setup. Now, and, and, and the thing is, you know, I'm telling them, okay, this is what I would do. This is this is efficient if it doesn't work for you play Keep around play yeah. around with it but this is this is your baseline man this is where yeah. it should be set up start from here exactly you know exactly. you don't you don't have to have a, a, a tom in this zip code and a tom in that zip code and then a floor tom and another zip code mm -hmm. and your hi-hat out to freaking venus right, right 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 you know i mean yeah fucking travis barker <laughs> <laughs> i had a couple yeah, of, i've had set up a properly and efficiently where you can you can play without killing yourself right I've, I've had guys call me before to you know just just all mixed up because they think their shit's just all out of whack so they come over and man just come over and help me you know figure figure out what so i get over there and i see all this i'm like man so i see them i said play you know take some play a song play something show me show me yeah. what you're doing so i see them play and da 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 so i freaked this dude out one time i went over and i just grabbed a cymbal stand and i'm took it away from him. I said, okay, do it again. Yeah. And as he's playing, I'm just taking things away. Just taking stuff away from him. He's like, what are you doing? He's freaking out for a second. Right. I said, close your eyes, play that again. Just do play. The same. Just play. Don't think about this stuff and just play. He's like, and by, you know, it took a while, but eventually yeah. he's like, okay, I can kind of breathe. I get yeah. it, you know? So, and then we kind of start putting things back together. Like, okay, this is, you know, if you're going to have this, then try this that way you're not working so hard you know it's just it just gets mind-boggling because we're geared to buy a bunch of shit we all suffer from gas yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's that exactly i know gear it's acquisition syndrome yeah exactly and real gas but definitely gear acquisition <laughs> syndrome syndrome because syndromium syndromium but anyway there you go that's why i, that's, I guess that's what i meant to say 
But and now, but within that same vein, Ethan is now playing gigs mm. out on the road. Yeah, and he's working. Now, who is this kid? Uh, kid, can I introduce you to uh, a few months back? He was way out, way out in Pryor, where Mark yeah. used to live. He just wanted to play drums, and yeah. now he is. Is that the kid that was talking about sixteen-inch hi hats? <sighs> no, I don't think so. No. Okay. I wouldn't let him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've tried everything when it comes to that. So, Greg, good call. But it is within the context of all these things, though. There's, there's just such a lack of understanding, and a right. lack of appreciation, and the importance of taking care of our bodies and and addressing these these issues and these situations as drummers. Yeah. That if we don't do something about it, it's just going to keep perpetuating the same thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there there are drummers. You know, Jojo Mayer tried to address it. Todd Zuckerman's tried to address it. Mm -hmm. There are people that have talked about it. Neil Peart talked about it mm. in in his video when he was making Test for Echo. He discusses his entire rebuild of his kit and the way he approaches the kit. He talks about every little detail. Yeah. But a, if you're not a fan of Jojo Mayer, Todd Zuckerman, or Neil Peart. Then we're not friends. You're never well, that too. <laughs> right. But you're never going to hear what they have to say. Right, of course, yeah. You're never going to see that video. Right. You're never going to see the validity or understand where their approach is and why right. that's important. And those guys are considered senior citizens to right. younger drummers, so they're not going to listen to them. Right. That's just kid 101. So, so there we go back into this dilemma of right. how how can this knowledge be disseminated? Like, how do we really talk about this where people start to really think about it and ask those questions? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe this, maybe this episode of Too Stupid to Know That I Can't is a way to get there. Let's start asking those questions. Yeah. You know, as, as a drummer, maybe we look at, maybe we, maybe we just go back to basics. What's the important aspect on a drum kit? Kick drum or bass drum, depending upon your perspective. <laughs> Snare drum, hi-hat stand. What is the most important thing that our job is? Our our job is to keep time. Right. That's our job. That's a job. So focus on your job. Nothing else works if that don't work. Everything else beyond that's filler. So so with that, if if we can get good with those three instruments and we become efficient there, mm -hmm. then the other pieces of the puzzle that we apply mm -hmm. to that drum kit just become that much more efficient of use of color, of space. Right. That's exactly what it's supposed to be, right. Exactly. And, and maybe this is at least that first place where we start to get that conversation rolling. Yeah. Sounds good, I hope so. And you know, good mentoring. Yeah. And if, I think if- So not hitting him with a board? Well, that worked twice. It worked? Okay, once. But he- <laughs> Wait, no, I mean, who got hit? Who got hit? You're right, right. Who, it was probably me. Probably me. Wait I probably minute. deserved it. Now, let's just call a spade a spade. Let's spade. ask in the room who wore the dunce cap. You... Oh, damn. Come on now. What, you did? I think it was unfair. <laughs> Wait. I think, I think I was picked on. Uh, man, you were misunderstood. That's what I it was. I was misunderstood. And profiling is wrong. <laughs> It's ignorant. Styling and profiling. That's okay. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Poor Peyton had to wear it too. <laughs> so during okay. What happened? For those that don't know, we hosted a snare master tuning class. Oh, I missed last that. Year. So yeah. And it was a really really fun class, <laughs> but we made a dunce cap because we knew. 
dog was going to show up. <laughs> hey, man, come on. <laughs> Somebody was going to end up wearing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because the, the, the way that I hosted the clinic, it was based around a very schoolroom mentality. We had a brown sack lunch. You had a milk ticket. Neat. Yeah. But everything was very step by step. You had a handout that gave you detailed instructions, mm. but you also got to see the process. Mm-hmm. Poor Peyton <laughs> completely botched the whole thing. He's like, and it, and everybody's kind of moving along through their room, and everybody's doing their thing. And I hear Peyton go, "Oh man!" <laughs> <laughs> Not only did he put the snare side head on the batter side of the drum, Uh-oh, he put the that. snare side hoop on the batter side of the drum. Hmm. It's an easy mistake. You're not paying attention. But he got the dunce cap. Sure mm. matters. Now, <laughs> but that was only after young Mr. Og here got it because he was tardy. <laughs> tardy? I wasn't tardy. What are you talking about, man? I was on time. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. He was tardy. <laughs> hey, before I say the mentoring thing again, yeah. I have a tardy story. Do we have time for all this? Yeah, we're only two minutes. We're only two hours, 22 minutes in. Oh, not bad. I mean, it's like a Star Wars movie. I had it. I I was handed, by luck, it would have it, an epiphany, in high school. Yep. By this friend of mine. To give it just a slight bit of background, slight, <laughs> some slight bit of background. What was in the coffee? Um, Not I was going to school with these kids, and it was kind of a more. Um, I don't want to say it, really out loud, but. It was a school that was a bit uppity, say you might say. What's that? Say it quietly. Oh, okay. <coughs> Jinx. Anyway, <laughs> and I, I had been to smaller schools all my life, so I ended up going to this big school the last two years of my high school. And there were some really cool kids there, but man, it was the late 80s. It was, you know, it was crazy. I mean, I drove a 1968 Ford Galaxy Custom 500. Nice. Straight in line six, well oxidized to school, right? I, I like was, the oxidation. Oxidate, well, nice well oxidized, yeah, very, you get the full picture. Right. I was parking between, you know, that's back when BMWs and Mercedes cars, you can only get really expensive ones. Right. They weren't making right. the cheap ones, right? Yeah. So I was parking between Beamers and a Mercedes one day. And then an IROC Z and a Porsche the next. It's a nice bit of contrast. It was crazy. How these, you know, but that, that doesn't mean that's not a reason that these people were this way. It's just that kind of affluence at that age yeah. kind of breeds some bullshit, right? Some, right. Some, some whatever, whatever you call that. So anyway, uh, I had just gotten kind of fed up. With, with these people, I had some friends like that, and I just, all of a sudden, one day, I just, I was done with it. I was tired of it, it was lunchtime, and I think I had to move, because some some dummy, you know, they, they got all bent out of shape because I was in their place or something, right? So I was just like, okay, I'm sick of you uppity, stupid bullshit people. And over there in the corner. What kind of people? Stupid uppity bullshit people. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, stupid uppity bullshit people. So, but over there in the corner, very well removed from all these stupid uppity bullshit people, (laughs) 
was... How about stupid, uppity, bullshit subjects? And you call them subs. Either way, we mm. still win. Either way, it works out. Anywho, we all know these types of people. It's just that this one school at this one particular area seemed to be a ton of them, right? Sure. So anyway, over in the corner, and I notice these kids all the time, and I always kind of felt like, you know, they weren't... They certainly weren't the cool kids. They certainly weren't the rich kids. But they all had a bit of a handicap. Either speech, vision, mm. um, no sort of a, maybe a social um, anxiety of some sort, you know, or something, right? Now be nice. So That's anyway. not my skit. That was already living color. I had nothing to do with that skit. I did not write it. Yeah, I, I just and repeated it, was, it. And it was hilarious. I, I mean, come that. on, Damon Wayans, that thing, that oh, it was, was a scream. Awesome. They got a club foot. It was awesome. So anyway, so I saw these guys over there, and I, and I told these people, I said, you know what? Probably I said, hell with y'all. I'm going to go sit over there. So I went, and I sat with those guys, yeah. and I ate lunch, and it was like for like a month. And I made a friend over there. His name was David. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to him, but... <clears throat> You know, we got to be kind of friends, and I would go over and hang out with those guys at lunchtime and stuff. So, anyway, he told me something one time I will never forget. Now, this guy was not, he was nowhere near a smart guy. His mind wasn't going to do that ever. Seriously, me? No, no, no. He was, he was further back than, than, than anybody, any of us here. <laughs> Except for maybe me and my drinking days. I was pretty stupid. But, anywho... I mean, you know, all his, his hope in life was to go in the Army and be able to get out and get a job, an mm-hmm. hourly job that paid enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he just fair. didn't have many other options mentally. And, and so we're walking somewhere Once after, sunshine. you know, from, from lunch. And we're trying to hurry in a little bit because, you know, we were, we were getting we were a bit late for yeah. our next class, right? And so we were talking about that a little bit. He said, he was telling me, you know, the other day... I was um, I was late to ex, you know, first homeroom class, or whatever, and the teacher said to me, "David, you're tardy. Why are you late?" And he's this is exact. I will never forget this. I've probably <laughs> I've probably screwed up a couple other bits of the story. I'm good with it so far. This is exactly what he said to me, David. You're late. Why are you late? And David says, "Because the bell rang before I got here." <laughs> that kid's a genius. I thought the same damn thing. This kid has got way more on the ball than any other motherfuckers. I'm hanging with David, man. He knows what the right. fuck he's talking about. But he's right. He was exactly right. It rang before he, I got here. He, he got in trouble for saying that, but it's true. And it, it was like, but and not. Why I mean, did that mean anything? I mean, why did I tell that story? I mean, we are closing in on two and a half hours, but okay. <laughs> but there's a very real issue to that as well. As much as we want to poke fun at honesty and fact, because <laughs> what he said wasn't wrong. Perfectly true. At all. The truest thing I'd heard that whole year, I think. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, you know, I look at it the way you play and you should really just... If you could just raise your seat up a little bit and kind of give yourself, a, what's wrong? With my, what do you mean? Well, right, I always exactly. Play this way. Like, exactly. We are the again. I'm going to go back to we're the first ones to want to share stuff, but we're the first ones to deny criticism. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because nobody wants to hear that they're wrong. No. Or what we're doing is wrong, but it is. 
that's the one good thing about teaching preteen kids. Like I mostly have taught all my life. Mm -hmm. Is they're not really they haven't got there yet. Like they don't have the wait. Ego. My shit's together already. Yeah. You know, you don't need to tell me. Yeah. This like, isn't how Joey Jordan. Right. Plays. Exactly. <laughs> so there's a little bit more uh, malleableness maybe to their to their their what their their you know minds. But right. what I was going to say about mentoring was is like people need to be willing to mentor like us, you know, men like you've already done, like Roger does, like I do, like men mentor younger players, try to help them get to a better mm -hmm. place in their playing. And, you know, health-wise, definitely we need to do that, which that's something that needs to be on the new agenda for mentoring. But at the same time, the younger, you know, kid or the younger, mm -hmm. the, the student needs yeah. to be willing to accept that. And so that needs, that's a different sort of teaching that comes from the house that comes from home that comes oh. from school that's a, you know so it's like you know if we could get to that combo again like you know like the early days there's always you know the, the best drummers on the, on the planet can tell you story after story about someone who took them aside and said hey don't do that don't do this don't do that do this this way so well I, I once had somebody tell me uh, a teacher actually the teacher does not have as much power as you think they do. The learner has all the power because it's their choice to learn or walk away from the lesson. It's true. And I didn't hear that till much later in life. It, it, it was a, a, actually it was a, a soccer coach, and hmm. I went, "Wow." Well, that was revelatory. I, I, I got yeah. to walk away and wrap my head around that. For a while. Right, right. Was his name and, David? Uh, <laughs> Ranjit. <laughs> He's from India. That's interesting. Well, That's but, awesome. But you know, he also he taught taught physics at uh, Votech and Pryor, huh. and he he said that, and I just went, wow, because I'm trying to coach these kids, and I'm trying to teach them something, and yeah, there are things I'm getting frustrated with. And when he said that, I just kind of went, wow. You know, and you you gotta you gotta reach kids on a different level, and you, I don't know how to get there necessarily, but 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 it 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 wrapped around to a lot of different things in life, not not yeah. just not just students in, in grade school, junior high, high school, not just athletes, not just drummers, but I mean everything, yeah. I mean, even. You know, if, if I go into a, a training session um, about hydraulic valves tomorrow, mm -hmm. I have more power than the teacher. It's whether, do I want to go in there and eat my donut and, and drink my coffee and take a nap, or do I want right. to take something away from this? And try to suck all the knowledge out of that you can. I have the power. You are oh. powerful, Mark Og. I am. You are. Because by God, I'm going to learn. <laughs> G.I. Joe. And I, as, as, fun as, as fun as this is when we crack jokes, I learn something new every day. And man, this, I'm taking some stuff away from this right here, man. Me too. <laughs> well, I got to really think about some things that I'm, I'm doing behind the kit and, and with my body and, and from the sticks to the. I'm, you guys are talking, and I'm going, man, what am I doing to myself? Yeah, I, I, I can think about some things. Yeah, me too. And it'll and the part where it really digs into your head mm -hmm. is when you're like, I really want to get home, 
so I can fuck with this because I'm, I'm <laughs> it's in my that's, head now. That's my thing, man. I don't, I don't get home for you know a week and a half, and right, I'm like, right. you're gone for another. You're on the road another week and a half. Yeah, I got, I got more uh, got work, work stuff next week. So wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to be next week? Vegas. Mm. Well, that's not terrible. Well, you don't only really get to play. Well, there's a guitar to. center there. You think there's sticks in the pad? Oh no, you don't even got it. You just walk in there. They got nobody behind the counter. You just take whatever sticks you want. Just okay. wail away. Okay, man, you just hit a nerve. Okay. <laughs> I, I go to the I go to the guitar center in Seattle, and I shit you not, like nobody's there. Really? There's there's customers walking in there and out. No sales staff. Oh no, sales staff. Uh, yeah. Wow, I've heard about that. Um, no sales tax on groceries. No sales staff. Oh oh, sorry. I thought you said tax. Stats. Erase, rewind. <laughs> yep. Stats. Like an infection. <laughs> okay, <laughs> roll back the tape. So I, uh, I, I go to I go to GC. I, I don't. You, you may want to cut this out. But no. I go to GC. There's, yeah, there's nobody in the drum room. Damn. You know, for a, a good 30, 45 minutes, and I'm most of the just, week just dicking around and. I sold sticks, I sold <laughs> a bass drum head, yep. and I, shit you not, I sold an Alesis electronic kit. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And I don't even work there. <laughs> well, okay, but in all fairness. That's amazing. Yeah, let's clarify Because that people I, are coming in, and, and they, they see me questions. wandering around in there, and they start asking me stuff. And I'm yeah. like, well, you know. Geez, that's just, cool just that try, someone just, just, just try just try and help them out. Help them select a bass drum head. You know, here's this. You want a port? You not want a port? You know, here's why you would use a port. Here's why you wouldn't use a port. You know, um, he didn't get the port, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But that's so, incredible. So, someone so, asked so, you. Sold, sold a guy some sticks. Uh, you know, um, there was a, a guy in there that he was. He wasn't a drummer, but he was thinking about, you know, trying hmm. trying to play drums. You know, okay, well, um, what, what's your what's your budget? You know, you don't want to buy the cheapest dang kit. In here. You don't you don't want to buy this kit because it's gonna it may not sound as good. And you know, if you, if it doesn't work out, you sell it. But not much resale value in it. You know, you're not gonna get your money back. You know? Right. But you can go into this price point or, hey. Do you live in the country? Do you have do you have a, a soundproof area? Do you have a basement or something you can play? Where, where are you playing? You guy lives in an apartment. Come over to the electronic kits. Let's talk. Man. <laughs> and again, here's here's a good kit for you. It's in your price point. It's not a huge investment. This thing takes off. You can always upgrade. The guy walks out with a, a three hundred and fifty dollar Alesis kit. You know, and you have a bright future. And I don't even work there. <laughs> I don't even work yeah, there. They, they didn't even throw me a bone. You think I'd get a commission or a pair of sticks? Yeah, I think you get something. Yeah, I get a t-shirt or something. Well, right. But let's. But but I I didn't I all I the only reason I did it is because I just care about the craft. There you go. The yeah. There you go. That's the takeaway. Somebody needed some help. Yeah. Maybe I knew a little bit more than they did. And that's the real beauty of pointing people in direction yeah that's the beauty of the drum industry right drummers will happily share yeah we will 
Yeah. You've never seen a room full of piano players sharing licks? No. Guitar players no. will kind of do it sometimes. For different reasons. But drummers <laughs> will happily, will happily show you all this stuff. Yeah. Gotta stick together, man. Well, I can't thank you both enough for, for joining us tonight. And Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, well, the honor of Glad, glad to be part of it. I mean, and I think at this point, this will be effectively the longest podcast we've done so far. Well, we are full of shit. So uh, maybe that has to Maybe something you can to do. edit out some of the shit. No, nothing. Did none of it's going to get edited. <laughs> no, well, and honestly, some people listen to our podcasts while they're working out. Some people listen to them on drive. Some people listen to them while they're mm -hmm. at home. So... I, I, I am not afraid of posting a two-hour and 30-minute podcast. So if you're at this point in the podcast, you've already realized that it's two hours and 37 <laughs> minutes. But no, in, in all sincerity, it, it is very important that there is a line of open communication amongst drummers. And yeah. if we as a store and as if this as a podcast can be a catalyst for that communication, then... That's accomplishing part of the goal that we've always set out to be as a shop. Right. Yeah. You know, we've always been a shop about building the community, about enriching, enhancing, making drummers better, being better for our community. And that's rare, and I applaud you for that. Well, I respected it day one, so that's awesome that's, of you. Not, not, not to get on another tangent, but you know, the, the first thing I felt at this shop Wait, 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 wait. What's community? <laughs> no, it's not, it was not that kind of part. I did not take him into the back room. Uh, no, how's your have. father? I didn't. That, was, no, was <laughs> that wasn't until the trunk show. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've no, made light of no, your thing. No, but there, there, was, uh, so close, so there, there was just a sense of community and fellowship. Yeah. You know, yeah. amongst amongst Nobody judged. Nobody, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, everybody's trying to build everybody up and make everybody better, and that doesn't exist at all shops, at all music stores, and well, and I think even within all communities. So true. You know, well done, Roger. Think, yeah. Uh, again, that's that is more of a product of everybody that comes in here. It has nothing to do with me. I, again, I'm just a catalyst. Yeah, but someone's got. Somebody had to be the catalyst. Someone's got <laughs> to set up the chairs and put the blanket on the couch over there, though. No. Oh, and that was. That's because it gets cold in here because we have an the ice box. Crumpets. Team Crumpets in it. Right. Good. Fly I'm going home. Get out. You guys get the hell out of here. Well, I think I'm going to go work on a water heater. Sounds that, like. So. That sounds fun. Yeah. Hey, so thank you guys for joining us on Too Stupid that I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> but I'm probably not going to go. I'm just going to leave it. But in all sincerity, thank you guys for hanging out way into your own evenings. and Sure, man. I'm and glad to do it. being a part of this podcast. It's, uh, I've always been tenuous about it. Much like our YouTube channel, I'm just I'm I don't like being on a microphone. I don't like being in front of a camera, but it, this forces me to do both, and I hate every minute of it. But I also get to do something that I enjoy to do, which is hanging out with drummers and people that I care about. So that kind of makes it okay. Of um, course. And we're doing a good job, Alice, and to two of them recently, and they're informative, good stuff. Well. So. Hopefully people will get something out of this one that makes sense for them. <laughs> Indeed. So. Thank Cheerio. you. Cheerio. Right. Cheerio, in it. <laughs> ah. oh <my laughs> this time we all got up the apples and pears, right? <laughs> I'm just going to let this continue and I'm going to let it fade out. I'm not even going to say thanks for joining us. I'm too stupid to know that I can't. Uh. 
Too stupid to know you can't. Oh, I wouldn't say that. What'd you say, Mark? What'd you he's say? He's right. too stupid. I think he's a bit of a right. I'll sort out again. Oh, he's got a great ass as well. Oh my yeah. god. Fly me. <laughs> Fucking Grubas. Your Kennedy was spot on earlier, though. I gotta say that. What did you say something about? He's. <laughs> I don't know if it was which Kennedy it was, but it was very Kennedy. <laughs> which it was one? Very, very Hamptons. What? At the beginning of the whole thing, we were jacking around, and you said something. Yeah, look at you, see? I'm going to tell you. It just oh, sounded God. very Jack no, Kennedy. That's, or no, no, Bobby that's when we're going back to New York. No, oh, it's still well. rolling? Oh, it's still rolling. Yeah, but still, it was a good Hello! <laughs> <laughs> so Ronry. Oh, so Ronry. Dude. Who are you talking to? Hey guys, is that your wife? It's Brandon Shoemake from The Rumor. Aha! Uh -huh. Bullshit! That guy didn't even return text messages, much I'm less at, return I'm, a phone call. I'm at the drum shop. I'm doing a podcast. I'm gonna call you back later. I'm doing a podcast. You sick fuck. <laughs> what? We're wrapping it up. We're wrapping. We're wrapping it up like. We're wrapping it up like a dick in a box. <laughs> That's it. I'm out. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a light that shines off in the distance We may never know of its name Where wealth is not measured in substance And pleasure's not writhing in pain Your promise has led me to ruin Your kiss foretold of my grave And I'll gladly embrace the destruction and drink the remains of the days And as you go to sleep tonight There's no need for a guiding light I've got the whole world left to roam And I'm not coming home